cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 113 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the whore ghetto blaster, the voice that devastates your cerebrum cortex, also known as moods. And of course, I've got my two accomplices by my side. First up, the man that will desecrate you in any argument, but would have no idea how to spell any of the words he used during the fight. JP, a.k.a. Double Shot J. Last up, we have the boy that has ridden every silver spoon like any Jewish cowboy could. NES Ruler 22, also known as Jeremy. What's going on, my native scarecrows? Yeah. Native scarecrows. Oh, oh man. man! What a <laughs> shitty week of feature films we have for you this week, folks. No way! <laughs> no way. I, on top of that, I watched Dracula in Vegas, which even was a cream of the crop on the shit list. Oh, I got to review oh, that one oh. too. Actually, I actually got that. I didn't get that. What the motherfuck? I was surprised oh. I did. I, I I always put in for the olives, and I never get them. It's always Jeremy that gets them, and then I he he showed it off, and I was like, oh, you fucker, and I got yeah. it. <laughs> I was like, that's well, so random. It makes Burning Moon look like the Citizen Kane of shot on video movies. So, oh, is that movie okay. actually shot on video? What? The Dracula in Vegas. Yeah, it's horrible. Oh shit! I didn't even know that. I, I thought Jesus. it was. Just, I knew it was low budget. I didn't know it was shot on video though. Some of the edits are just. Oh my Jesus! It's bad. We'll get into it hmm. later. So, uh, one thing that I want to say is, wow, uh, our it show really did well on YouTube. I wonder why. I made a point. I made a point of pointing this out too and i was like damn you know you know a fucking show is doing really well on my channel when it's beating out one of my shelf by shelf videos and views <laughs> that's fucking yeah. crazy man this thing is People pushing wanted si- to hear about it 1600 mm-hmm. views almost that like i mean I, I i'm hoping it's doing well on horophilia too and in, in itunes but man dude I, yeah i guess it was the uh, right well, time i can but- tell you now we definitely won't be number one because of the podcast blitz going on i even believe skeleton crows it show was in a podcast blitz so they were actually in our feed before our show even debuted, um, so that I think probably that, hurt us a little I bit. I think the top ten now on Horophilia is kind of debunked because of this, man. It's nah, it's it, it honestly doesn't make sense, honestly. Any, like, you can't take it seriously no, anymore. No, you can't. You can't and, because certain shows are getting in there, and you're like, that's not right. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure, I, I don't I'm pretty know sure last month bloody bits was in the top 10 i'm like come on jason show never makes the top 10 (laughs) (laughs) it it has before on slow months i've seen it make it before but um i don't know like i would actually if jason's listening right now like i would actually um and i know there are people that would agree with me um i would actually suggest any shows in the podcast blitz should be disqualified um i i really think that that should be um put forward i know dave would back me on that 
Um, and it might come from, you know, shows like ours who consistently make the top 10, you know, not trying to sound cocky. Like, we're not number one. Like, Exploding Heads always is number one. So it's not even like that I, I want to be number one or anything like that. I just want to see the actual top 10, not the inflation, inflated numbers. Mm-hmm. Because it is in, it is heavily inflated. Um whenever you're in everybody's feed uh, it's good for the network it's good for everybody and it's good for exposure but when you're talking top 10 which is just a uh, a pure um award thing it's it's a pure form of uh let's let's you know uh sort of you know give props to the people who who are um excelling like I feel like that it should be like that. I don't want it to be like everybody gets a trophy type thing. I, I want I want people to earn that top spot, um, and you know, being in other people's feeds, uh, I don't necessarily think always will. Yeah, we don't want to conform um, to the new this. age of society's rules where everybody gets a trophy. Bullshit participation for everybody. <laughs> Fuck that shit, man. No, this is all friendly competition, man. I mean, we just want to see the legitimate results. I mean, there's nothing wrong with yeah, it, right? Yeah. Right? There's yeah, absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with that. And speaking and, of... And, and uh, hold up really quickly. Let me say this. Whenever the pod... We were the first people in the in the Blitz uh, being our alphabetically 22. Um, you know, the n- numerical is, is before A. Uh, and I didn't like it that, that our number one show that month was Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Uh, of course I want to be the number one show and I want to do well, but um, I didn't like that Pet Cemetery beat out what should have been number one was our episode 100. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. And honestly, you know, that that kind of shown right there that the, that the results are not, like, true because our episode 100 performed amazingly, but it, you know, shouldn't have been... Um, it, 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 it's weird that Pet Cemetery beat it. You know what I mean? Because that show did, should not have beat it. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Weird. Um, it is. Weird. Uh, but yeah, so um, but, I would, I would, I, you know, Jason can run the network and and do his top. I mean, the top ten is his own thing anyway. Like he he just thought that that was cool or whatever. Oh and, for sure, for is, sure. But you know, um, as- so he could do it however he wants. But I would just suggest that maybe we do it. Uh, exclude the podcast blitz episodes, you know, or at least you don't even have to make them make them one A or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the true number one, or make it one B, and the true number one is one A. You know, and and I would be cool with that too. That's right, man. Speaking of results here, I did this just for fun and shits and giggles. Uh, you know, it's been what a week and a bit since it came out so it the film came out so i decided to run a poll here in our facebook group just to see where people were sitting with you know the original film and apparently you can't call it a remake because people are bleeding at the out the asshole when you say remake now (laughs) so you know the new the new version of of it and as the poll stands right now it is 54 votes to 15 in favor of the new it film I was a little bit shocked by this. I call recency bias. I I honestly was a little bit shocked by this because I made this poll as I was going to hockey with my son today. And I was like, okay. And I said to the wife as we're driving, I said, you know what? I think this poll is going to come in about 60-40. And I was thinking in favor of, you know, the new It film. So, but but it just got out of hand. I was like, wow, this is like 75-25 in favor of the new film. It really kind of caught me off guard. Um so speaking of the it episode should we bring back some uh 
ghetto comment readings. We have a response from last week. <laughs> Is we there have- a response? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can do that, but just want, let me comment on this really quickly. Actually, you know what? Um, and Jeremy never even voted on this because he, well, he never votes on my fucking polls anyways. But I was like, hey. Because we were sitting at 49, and I was like, okay, if Jeremy votes right now, we got 50, but but this is ridiculous. Like, I actually can't believe how in favor the 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 uh, the new edition is. I keep wanting to call a remake, and people are just crucifying me for it. Stop <laughs> bleeding out your asshole, man. It's it's fine to call a remake. There was an article written on Pop Horror about why, it, it can, it, literally, it says, can we please stop calling it it uh, a remake? And, I like... The I understand. It. I like, understand. It, it, it is. It is truly not a remake. If you if you look at like definitions of you know remakes, but no, no, no. Um, I mean, you made a good point. It, even when we were talking a, about it before, I think it's fine yeah. to call it that, though. No, it, I think it is fine too. But I understand the, you know, the exact point of, you know, it was based off a book, right? And it, but know, but let's okay. Let me say this: Does anybody call the Fly eighty six not a remake? Everybody's like the remake of the fly. Yeah, the remake of the fly. Even though they're even though that film and the film before it are adaptations of a story. That's true. That is true. But I think I think less people probably know that it is, so they just assume it's a remake. What about the Carrie remake? Everybody was cool with calling it the Carrie remake. Mm -hmm. That's true. But you know what I mean. So I I think that there's an argument to be made that it's fine to call it remake too. Um, but I, Jeremy, where would you have voted? The new it, right? Mm, I did don't you, know. Did you go? Did you go back and and watch your video? Because I swear to the depth of the Lord that you had the original it on your top ten overrated thing video. I swear. I'll report back next week. I can't. I swear to God. So I mean, given this information, I mean, your vote it, should. It might have been be- on mine, dude. No way, dude. You, you like, man, if that movie had a cock, man, you'd be covered in sploosh. Yeah, but I put Blair Witch on mine. And I Blair love Witch Blair Witch even mine more. Too. Yeah, I think I put Blair Witch into mine, too, actually. Just Hell, because. I had Friday the 13th on mine. And as Jeremy would say, I really like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, think um, I, I still get crucified. Actually, just the other day, man, I had a comment on one of my videos that I made for Top 10 Overrated, and this guy was just he was just fucking coming at me. I was like, how the fuck can you call a film overrated and still like it? I'm like, Oh my God, I don't, I don't really understand what is so hard to understand about this concept. It's, it's Mm -hmm. like, like the logistics of it. There's a film that's like overly promoted everything, blah, blah, blah. And it can still be a decent film to yourself. You're just saying it's overrated in the bigger grand scheme of things. Right. I think when people hear the word overrated, they immediately think you dislike the film. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I mean, I guess it's associated with the negative, but I'll say this right now: the new it's overrated. <laughs> I love that, dude. I, love that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't. You know, honestly, dude, I really like. I respect you as a reviewer, big time, and I think this is one time that you let your biasm come out a little bit. Because but not in my rating. But you love the original it film so okay, much. And listen, I said this in the poll. Yes. Is the is the new it a better movie? Mostly, mm-hmm. it mostly is. There are yeah. some problems that I feel like people either did not witness, like they're blind to CG, or they just was cool with it. Yeah. Um, and I think that the new film is a better movie in most aspects. But I like the original way more. 
Mm-hmm. I love I, I it, so that is one of those things where I did separate my personal bias a lot. And you are right, a little bit did shine through. I think you are correct on that. Mm-hmm. But I do think that this is another argument that I'm making about entertainment value should not factor into critical analysis that much because I find the original it way more entertaining. Does that mean it's a better movie? No, it doesn't. Well, serious critical analysis anyways. I mean, you can be a critic about anything, but yeah. I mean, when you overdo it to entertainment value, I mean, everyone's definition of, you know, rate a rating system is so fucking different. Right, so it's it's I, hard to explain this to to people in terms of understanding as a whole because I mean we all do separate things. Like I know you, when you rate things, your entertainment value is a little bit lower. You know, mine's kind of mid level. I mean, I try not to focus too too much on it. I still it should be factored in absolutely. But uh, another yes. poll that was up was Full Moon versus Trauma. Yeah, and everybody was like, oh well, Full Moon's more entertaining or Trauma's more entertaining. And I'm like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. It is to you, but that's why entertainment is so subjective that you can bear that. That when you're talking about actual like uh, analyzing a film and things like that, it, it's almost silly to even make an argument for entertainment because it is the most subjective thing that there is. And I yeah. find Full Moon films more entertaining. And that, and but that's does a- that mean that they are more entertaining? No, it doesn't. That was precisely what my comment was too. I'm like, man, I seen. And I was like, I was like, I like clapped. I was like, I'm proud. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it, it that's to- what I say. It totally is because I look at like even us three, man, we have very different opinions on what's funny. You know, when we're watching yeah, Jeremy film. finds boring black and white movies that are fucking super artsy, entertaining as hell yeah. when I don't. Yeah, I mean, even the comedy level, too, if we're looking at, like, a trauma <laughs> film, you're probably going to be, you know, probably laughing <clears throat> to a certain extent because of the comedy elements in the film. And, and sometimes people don't find the overuse of dick and fart jokes and bleeding vagina that funny where I do. I'm still a 13-year-old, yeah, man, I when it comes down. All. See, and, like, that's, that's, and that's the difference that between me. So I would entertaining. See, I would expect you to completely lean towards Full Moon, where their films were, it wasn't more or less about the comedy on purpose. You know, they, they were a different yeah. type of con- well. They it's they've got more trauma esque over the years, honestly. Well, like in they, recent their years, movies sure. are more silly now. Like like if you look at like old school, like Full Moon and Empire, like most of them were serious movies, you know. But they just are cheesy. That was the best era of Full Moon as we know it now. I think in the Empire days, you know, they focused on trying yeah. to make legitimately good films, even though they were making films like Terror Vision in fucking Rome. <laughs> they're they were getting the the best for their money you know kind of thing right but uh Mm -hmm. yeah so uh why did we get on this i don't i i I think it's because i brought up the results of the it poll which is is still kind of making me right though like i i was a little not only was i I tried to leave it out as much as possible not only was i directly comparing it to the original it film but i was also comparing it to the source material I did that because I thought it would be a fun to compare type thing, but I didn't. I really tried to not let that factor into my rating of the film. Yeah, which I think is appropriate because, um, like Adam Wingard, for example, is getting death threats because he made Death Note and or Death whatever it is, Death Note, and yeah. didn't focus on the source material. Now, I do think there's an argument to be had about hey, if you're going to make something 
that is based on something, don't be an asshole and not look into the source material. Like, I think that that is a fair statement. Like, you're, you're messing with thing, something that people are very passionate about. Like, be respectful towards it. Now, does that mean you should get death threats if you don't do that? No, not at all. <laughs> but it, do, it does mean that uh, you should have you probably looked into it a little bit more. Um, because from what I understand, I could be completely wrong on this, is that he did he wasn't even very familiar with the source material and didn't bother to really like <laughs> see, look now, at it. See now I, I am very conflicted by this because I don't understand, you know, as you know, as an accomplished filmmaker like myself, no, um, you know, as a filmmaker, if why would you ever be interested in doing something in doing a project if you're that, not familiar with the material? Yes. I mean the point is you know, if you were a fan of a book, like a, uh, an ex- obscure book, and you're like, oh, I really want to, you know, that would probably mean that you'd like to adapt it into, a, you know, into a film. But, yeah. like, you're just taking the popularity of Death Note. And don't get me wrong. I like Adam Wingard, too. It's like, a, it's like a direct, more of a director for hire job, which that's what it seems I think like. that's what it seems artistically like. is always a bad thing. Move. I would not ever, I would never take that project, you know, because of the pride, you know, involved. I mean, I would take pride in my work and I would never try to, you know, do material that I was not familiar with, you know, I, just, just and, for a fucking paycheck, just for a fair, paycheck. Though, I don't bullshit. know if that's actually true. That's just what I heard. Well, so for I mean, all I know, he was a huge fan of it. I mean, but I'm just in the argument there. that he wasn't, then this is my statement on if he wasn't. Okay, and, um, and that's but, my point. I mean, if he wasn't, man, I think that's complete ludicrous. I mean, doing this shit, I mean, essentially at the end of the day, he's doing that for the money. And that's, you know, right. I mean, you know, I mean, a lot of people, th- we could argue, this is debatable to the end. You know, I mean, this is essentially what life is sometimes kind of about. We need to make some money to live, you know, kind of thing, right? But, yeah. you know, but there is, you gotta, you know, have some pride in what you're doing too. I mean, give me a fucking break, dude. Like, you know, you when you fuck that, that, with that's like Adam sacred Green, material. Like, if you listen to him talk about film, like yeah. like he had a million opportunities to do. He had opportunities to direct Friday the Thirteenths, but he didn't like where their head was at with it. And he's like, "No, I'm not touching that See, because I, people I like care that, about man. that franchise and and I don't want to be the one to fucking shoot a found footage Friday the Thirteenth that doesn't make any sense." And you know what? I think so, we, I um, think we <laughs> talked about this before actually because I'm very similar like that too. Like I would never just make something because someone was going to pay me a lot of money to do it. And and I would never I do that. Told you that I am more of somebody who would do that. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm the polar so, opposite. And everybody that knows yeah. me knows me. I would just be like, I don't care about the money, man. I, my name is on this, and that that's why that's how I stand with reviews and stuff. Like you know, a lot of people always tell me like, man, you're very honest in your reviews. And this is how, why I've been kicked off review, <laughs> fucking you know, list and stuff because they can't stand the truth. Just mm-hmm. fucking be yourself. I mean, I'm not putting my name onto something that I'm not endorsing, that I don't want to n- endorse. Like, I mean, honestly, if I was an athlete and they came to me and they're like, you know, he, I'll, I'll give you $10 million to endorse these. Talk these, about, talk the, about, talk yeah, about. Yeah, Taco Bell, I'd be like, fuck that <laughs> shit. I'm not doing it because, first of all, I don't eat Taco Bell. Meanwhile, I prefer me and Wendy's. Jeremy would be like, yo, yo, I'll do it, I'll do it. And <laughs> Taco Bell. And meanwhile, I'm sitting in the corner crying, going, these motherfuckers got $10 million, man. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, but my point is, <laughs> is that I we got $5,000. We have $5,000. You got to have, have some self control in your life, too, though, man. And, like, really believe in what you stand for. And at the end of the day, I think that's what makes a good person too i mean it happens over and over again in hollywood and in film and entertainment business people they do shit that they don't necessarily want to do and i think in later in life you fucking regret those decisions man because your name is attached to shit and you're looking at it going i don't even want to look at this shit on the shelf 
I mean, you know for a fucking fact, there is people, there's directors, there's musicians, there's these people in the industry that have shit sitting there and they're going, I, I can't fucking, no, I don't even want to associate with that. Like, I'm embarrassed of it. I don't want, I would yeah. never want to be that person. Whatever yeah, I no, do, I'm with you I stand I, behind. I, I, I think that I think that it, I would have very rough time if if I wasn't proud of what I yeah. what I had done in in something is you know that's going to live through history forever. Um, but I, I will say this that um, and and sorry I had to. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Wayne's World? What is that? Yeah, dude. Okay, I couldn't remember. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I will say this that. Um, I don't think that and 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 Dave said this earlier today um on Facebook. He said that um who gives a fuck about the source material essentially is what he was getting at. And I do agree with that to an extent. Like an adaptation does not have to follow source material. It's its own entity. Mm-hmm. I I do I I follow that. I'm like okay, I'm cool with that. But I do think that there's a level of respect that you must have for source material um, or you're just kind of a dickhead, uh, in a way. Does that mean you deserve death threats? Absolutely not. But it does, it, to me, it's like, okay, if you're not gonna respect what people obviously care about, it's popular for a reason. Mm-hmm. And and I think that Dave and other people, and, and I, I don't know, I think he was just more mad that people were giving him death threats as well, which, because that's ridiculous. But, um, like, look at it, for example, if somebody came like in... Like literal death and, notes. Like and, literal death notes. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that's funny. That's crazy. That is funny. Wow. Uh, I was surprised I didn't get death notes from last night, last week's argument. Oh, fuck. Yeah. People heavily death. disagreed with you, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. I, I, I realized that. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for letting um, me know. Hey, I kind of agreed with you a little bit. Hey, so. man. It's all because of that motherfucker, Jerry, you know? Yeah. Jerry, Jerry got the fuck Jeremy train going. Uh-huh. Fucking Jerry. <laughs> so let's say that somebody took Friday the 13th or something, right? And and they did... And, and this has actually happened in the Friday the 13th series where, like, a director would come in and not know anything about it and stuff, but it just so happened to have enough producers and stuff to guide them in the correct way enough to where it resembled a Friday the 13th film. But let's say somebody came in and was like, uh, let's, I don't want this to be Jason. I I don't like the hockey mask. Let's take it off. Oh, let's, uh, let's, um, let's, let's get rid of Jason altogether and have him jumping through bodies and stuff, because that's more cool. Like, I like the idea that, that, that he's an entity and, or a worm or a demonic thing and, and he's hopping through bodies and, and, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's take Jason out of the movie and, 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 you know, all this and that and the other, let's have him do this sadomasochist stuff where he's shaving this dude. Um, I feel like people (laughs) would be like, dude, that's not fucking Jason, bro. Like, and they would be pissed fans of friday the 13th actually did this this is jason goes to hell that i'm obviously referencing yeah yeah. and it was primarily from what history tells us sean s cunningham whose whose uh ideas this was to do a lot of this stuff with jason um in this film especially get rid of the hockey mask and stuff like that um so to me i find that disrespectful to the original source material of jason so i can understand i don't like death note i don't know anything about it i don't care to know anything about it if i watched the movie and liked it i i I probably would you know who knows i like adam wingard's films for the most part 
And if I if I liked it, then I had never seen the source material. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't need to be the source material for me to enjoy it. However, if you are a fan of it, I can understand the criticism that you would give to somebody for, bro, you can't even respect the source material a little bit to like kind of get into it. And and it's the same. And I made the Jason argument. I think it applies. I really so do. Is, okay. So the people that are all up in arms about this Death Note stuff um, – are mostly the fans. What about the creators of Death Note? Have they? Is there any word on what they've thought of this, this film or uh, this fr- I, or, or whatever? I, I, regard- I have no idea. And I, I, and I bring that up because there's a very famous film where um, it was made, you know, off based off a book. Shining. It, it was very yes, and it was very well received for the most part. But Stephen King obviously did not like it because I think he was very dear to the book and. He saw Kubrick's vision of it, and it was like it wasn't Stephen King's, and he he didn't really care for it. He, you know, I don't think Stephen King saw the film for what it was. You know, obviously mm-hmm. years later he did come through, and you know he actually did make a pretty yeah, cool film. Yeah. You know, he did a really good job with the idea and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I mean, some, I mean, he it's not like it's not like Kubrick took the source material and completely made his own film and just disrespected it. You know, the core story is there within well, the film. I, I think he changed that a lot is of a things. different situation because yeah. Kubrick read the source material and he acknowledged it and yes. he had a different vision for it. Mm-hmm. I think that's different than ignoring the source material. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I mean? So so I think that that's a slightly different case. But um, it also does help that Kubrick made a damn good movie out of it. Um, so it is well, easier that was to praise where it. My point was leaning at is yeah. like, you know, Stephen King didn't like the film because, you know, he was kind of obviously biased towards his own material, but even though probably deep down subconsciously, he's going, damn, that was a really good fucking movie, man. <laughs> you know, like, but he never admitted it for what, 25 years later, you know, kind of thing. But I don't know, man. I mean, I, I mean, I get, there's a lot of fanboys of death note and, and things like, I mean, obviously there probably was a little bit different scenario back in the day when Stephen King dropped the shining, there was no social media like there is now. People just don't yeah. know. We just don't know what the consensus was of it. If people were pissed off. I mean, do you think the average fan out there back in those days, and it would be nice to know if they were pissed off at Kubrick's vision of the Shining story? Well, I, I'll tell you now that I have seen people that were a little mad at it because it, it removed. Hell, there was a guy at work today who came in and he's like, I watched it last night. And I was like, cool, I watched Mother last night. And he was like he was like i was disappointed and this is a huge stephen king fan like the mm-hmm. dude literally listens to audiobooks on stephen king like every day at work and um you so, guys have probably seen him his name's matt um he's uh i've done videos with him uh, like the movie nights yeah yeah, no, it's um, yeah and he was like i was disappointed because i didn't like some of the things that they did uh that they changed to the book like he didn't like the fact that georgie was um presumed still alive from the losers club when in in the original story it's quite obvious that he's dead they find his body mm-hmm. um which i told him i actually didn't i actually like that because mm-hmm. it, it it made sense for bill's character to not want to give up hope and be delusional that georgie is still so was alive. he completely disappointed by this no no or- he, i mean he still rated it high like an eight or a nine or something like okay. that but he just was very he was very disappointed with some of the stuff the some of the stuff not in the film so some he of didn't the agree, stuff that they so he changed. didn't agree with some of the changes and stuff i mean see yeah that, that's what i find like with stephen king like i'm a really big fan too and you know i've got a whole library of his books and and i, I honestly i try to leave the source material by itself like i i really don't try 
to compare it a whole lot. I mean, I honestly can't remember a lot of the Star Wars material, yeah. even though I've read it a lot or a long time ago. But I try to leave it at the door and just kind of accept it for what it is because you know what the core uh, uh, story is, right? And you take mm-hmm. you, you you know you do your critical assumption on what you're seeing at that time, and I, I think a lot of people are just so dear to this source material that I think they're getting there's a lot of bias in there like they, they're not letting go of it and fully yeah. accepting what the new challenges are in the film for themselves yeah. which are I, the are, are the subtle changes you know things with Georgie and and, and the, there's all these little things that are going on and stuff but personally I kind of took that and I, and I was hoping that going into it too that it was going to be a little bit different than than the original mm-hmm. and the source material and stuff and I kind of got what I wanted I I agree. I agree with this actually quite a lot. Like to me, I've read the book and I just I don't need to see a shot for shot adaptation of the book on screen. Like to me, that's just not as entertaining as like some surprises and stuff like that. So I'm I'm with you on that completely. But it's also um, I think that. And and this is something that I've been really paying attention to lately. And because we are in the critiquing world, we are film critics to an extent. Um, I've been seeing, and especially this year, it's been very prevalent in in the films that are coming out. So, um, and and I'll get to this later, obviously, with Mother. But um, I've seen a lot of arguments for why it isn't good, and it's you know arguments because the book this, the book that, the book that. And I've seen people say, and and this is coupled perfectly with what's happening right now with films like It Comes at Night as well as Mother, where people are going to the theater expecting one thing based on how a trailer was marketed to them, and then they get something else that they didn't expect, and then they're mad, and they and they and they think the film is bad because of that. Um, I am hugely and greatly against doing that. I think whenever you critique a film, rate a film, you should t- factor in the film. That's it. Take the film for what it is, what how you you know took it in, how it made you feel, how it made you think, whatever. Judge the film on that, not based on if it followed the book or based on if it was like the trailer. I think that is very bad critical analysis as a critic that's a very bad thing to do Mm -hmm. um and this is just my opinion i just think that it's not a good way to review things because it's it's biased that is biased i don't necessarily i don't necessarily think that it's a lot of people that are completely uh i don't know effect when they're reviewing the film, I mean, they're reviewing it for what it is. I think it's about getting there in the first place. I mean, if you look at a lot of the campaigns back in the day when it used to be like, you know, it'd flash at you, like you watch this trailer and stuff and it'd be like, oh, you know, the bloodiest, goriest film of all time. Go see it. It's horror. It's horror. It's horror. So now if they were doing that, if this was the campaign for, um, well, let's face it, back in the day, a lot of those things that would you know play to you you go and watch the film and you're like man there i saw like three drops of blood <laughs> like what the fuck that wasn't the goriest film either so it, it's kind of misleading i think this is where people are leaning at with a lot of the marketing today it's just a little bit misleading and obviously they can't leave that at the doorstep and and, and you know and analyze the film for what they are seeing in the in the present moment i understand this but i think it's all about you know, initially getting these people into the theater, I think they feel cheated a little bit because they're spending their hard-earned money on what they think is going yeah. to be a bloody hardcore horror film. And when they watch it, they're not getting a bloody hardcore horror film. They're getting kind of an artsy, non-bloody, but gory to film. Me, and I think people are getting a little bit pissed off with the way the, filmmaker and the, and they are. marketing. That's, yeah. that's what they're doing. But be yeah. pissed off at the studio 
and yourself for being suckered. Because to me, I don't watch trailers for one. Well, that's and and this Mother, is the beauty though, of us not I've watching seen the them. Trailer, <laughs> I've seen the trailer a bunch of times for Mother. So technically, yeah, I did see the trailer for that before I went and seen it a bunch yeah. of times. Yeah, I, I have seen uh, it too, Even though I don't watch trailers. Now, this is, to me, the best way to judge a film is if you've seen it and knew nothing about it. You like you're on it. You you came to Earth. You found a box. There's a tape inside it. You watched it, and and that is the film. And that is the purest way to analyze a film because there's no other outside influence. Because at the end of the day, what are you judging? A movie. Yeah. So why not only judge the movie then? Yeah. And th- here's the thing. All right. Um, I totally get if you're mad that you felt like you wasted your money because movies are expensive. I'm not a hundred percent, hundred percent. You have the right to feel if you go and order a cheeseburger and they give you a, a fucking taco. Yeah, you have the right to be to be mad about that. But but fucking that is the difference between a consumer consuming something and a film reviewer reviewing something. Yeah. When you are a film reviewer or you're trying to be a film reviewer, now if you're just a guy on Facebook and you're like, I didn't like this, blah, blah, that's fine. But when you actually publish a review or, 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 or a group of sentences that is in the context of a film review, I think that that is bad reviewing. I really <clears throat> truly do. And I think that it's a problem, and I think that it should honestly stop um, because it it hurts these films. It does. And I want to say something right now. Like I was into it a little bit with um, uh, Neil Lemoy a little bit about uh, you know he Fucking was mad asshole. at mother. Fuck you, Neil. <laughs> he was mad. He was mad at mother, and I was like, okay. I, and I have not said if I like this film or don't like it or anything yet. But I will say this: that if you went into that movie. And you expected one thing and got something else. Well, that's your own fault. That's that's you. That's on you. It's your expectation. Nobody put that expectation in your head. That's the result yeah, of watching might have been watching trailers and having a preconception of what the film is going to be. I think yeah, I think the way we're approaching you watch things. The trailer moods. Even yeah. if you watch the trailer, it is still your mind that exactly. is making that expectation. It's not the trailer that is making that expectation. Mm-hmm. It's guiding you, but it's still up to you to control that. And I will say that uh, Lacey Liu, who. Um, we mentioned last show about it and her rating it bad and stuff. She actually commented on this and said, aren't all movies considered to be works of art? I don't feel as if the trailer was misleading at all. It didn't tell us anything. So not sure how it was. People just drew their own conclusion. Is this movie a blood and gore fest? No, blah, blah. So one thing I I thought that that was interesting because everybody keeps saying that the, that the mother film was mismarketed, but I looked at that film and I didn't know what it was about when I seen the trailer. So in this case, I think it's false. I understand it and it comes at night. But how did you watch that trailer and feel like you knew what the movie was about? I thought it was a complete mystery when I seen the trailer. I thought it had some hints. Maybe it was like... Well, even even after I saw the trailer, I even said the same thing. I was trying to make assumptions on what it was actually trying to do i was like i don't know what where this is going or what they're trying to do so then if you see this movie moods and it goes in a completely weird direction do you really think that it was misleading no not at all because it wasn't leading me anywhere it led me to an it, it led me to a total gray area 
is what it did in my mind. Yeah, I, I and th- if you're not intelligent enough to see that, I'm sorry, homies. I think a but lot if of you people can't see that in the trailer. That it's like okay, that it's obviously trying to be mysterious, so it's probably gonna be something that they're hiding. Uh, then that is your own fault. It really is. If you can't pick that up in the trailer, it's your own fault. If you're pissed off that you didn't get what you expected because there was nothing to expect. Well, I seen one really. today. And I, I don't know if the person had seen the trailer or not or just seen maybe the the promotional artwork for it, which was obviously simulating Rosemary's Baby. I mean, you can't deny that. I mean, the poster was fucking identical to it. And the person was pissed off. They're like, I didn't get Rosemary's Baby at all, <laughs> you know? And I don't – so I, I just assume maybe they saw the poster and like, oh, awesome, man. It's going to be like a fucking yeah. Rosemary's Baby type film, which we've already seen done a thousand times anyways. I don't know why you get super excited about a Rosemary's Baby <laughs> story because you can't get any more shocking than the original let's face it folks <laughs> stop being yeah. disappointed when you're not getting rosemary's baby um but so I, I just really... kind of assumed i just kind of assumed it was he he, he didn't maybe see a trailer or whatever and you saw the poster and 40 minute intro for the win i don't know it's <laughs> fucking crazy yeah so i was gonna say this this really turned out to be like a knowledge segment here but um you know we do have to get out of out of here i kind of said my piece on that i did want to talk about it a little bit because it is very going on now it's very much like a very big thing that's going on right now in in the horror uh facebook groups and things like that and and i'm trying i'm not i'm not trying to be like a dick you know what i mean but like it's just like come on guys like like just and what's so bad about expecting one thing and then getting something else like to me that's cool it's like exciting it's like oh like that i didn't expect this like it, if it's exactly what you expect people are pissed if it's nothing like you expect people are pissed can't win people so, are acting um, like that's spoiled, my opinion on people that. are acting like fucking spoiled <laughs> brats in my opinion stop acting like a fucking spoiled brat and just accept shit for what it is all right do we got patreon shout outs or are we gonna jump into the news here yeah yeah we have uh just um jeez i can't even read my jewish gangster oh yeah i totally forgot no 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 go ahead you sure yeah positive you don't want to do the follow-up no do the follow-up people like that (laughs) no the follow-up's good yeah i gotta read the follow-up of what this guy said yeah so so last week if you guys remember um i got some heat for not acknowledging uh the hurricane and then um i left a, a sincere apology and then jeremy read the response from the guy which i didn't even know had responded at the time um i think it's krs one something or something something Does like it? that yeah, yeah he's he's he listens to the Obviously, my other podcast yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but i yeah, hope so cool dude cool dude um i really respect how he you know handled everything and and like cool shit homie um but jeremy actually read his statement and it was really funny so i, I believe he, he came back with some more right it's gonna be a new segment because you know every week he's gonna comment and say <laughs> something else so this week he said this is like this is like the bk segment yeah, guys remember that guy yeah but uh he hasn't commented on a while i wonder where he is i guess he doesn't want my wiener anymore which is <laughs> but uh <laughs> Jeremy reading my comment made my day, fam. This dude is dropping the N-word. Oh, my God. What the <laughs> fuck? Ha, ha. Def will tone that shit down so little nigga Jeremy can understand that shit. Don't ever leave the burps. It's not safe out there. Laughing my ass off. Much love to my fam, nigga, JP, and moods keeping shit real peace. <laughs> 
<laughs> dude, it, like it, that is Butters to a T, man. That is some. And funny that mood edge. said, "Dude, he literally sounded like Butters from South Park." Blah blah blah. And then his response is, "Hell yeah, he did. That shit was funny as fuck. He sounded so uncomfortable." LOL. Can I say the N word? Please get that dude listening to hip hop or at least to that hip hop podcast. We all refuse some ill underground dope shit for real, fam. Peace. <laughs> Read it, so it's so funny. Oh man, it is fucking. That is great because it sounds priceless. exactly like butter. It's so it's funny, so man. Funny. Do you know what? Jim I is so am white. <laughs> you know Do what? You I know what saying? I am saying. Bitch, you want to make some motherfucking money? Oh my god, it's oh, priceless. Man, that is great. Except, bitch, do you want to make some motherfucking All right, money? So, uh, getting into a uh, little bit of Patreon. Very short. You guys know I don't want to bore you guys with this all the time, but uh, shout out to Marco. Um, he pledged some money for us, six bucks. So, um, thank you, homie. Uh, Michael Kemp also pledged three bucks. Thank you, homie. Welcome to the hall, homies, both of you guys. Uh, and also, uh, Mark, uh, Lethem, uh, pledged six bucks as well. So, uh, we're going to have a lot of, um, what we watched picks to go through, uh, in the coming months. Um, Derek did let us know that he's actually going to save his picks for October, and uh this october and november and then use all all of them in, in december um which you can do which actually helps us because we do have a busy schedule coming up we tried to make a little bit of space for some patreon in there as well so i think just, we will at least have one we'll at least have one show in october that will be dedicated to some of the things that we get picked so that saves us for october november we'll have to fi- figure out a way which one good thing in in november is we still do do uh what we watch during the italian month so that'll help a lot um so yeah uh but yeah thank you guys you guys are amazing like I, i'm blown away every time i get an email and it's like so and so pledged this amount like it's it's really cool and you know obviously uh brandon was busting my balls the other night because he was like you guys need to stop giving away doing monthly giveaways on there you're making us look bad and it's like no homie we're giving back to them because they're giving to us we're gonna we're gonna give away uh shit all the time it's gonna be fabulous yeah don't subscribe to those exploding head douchebags nah, subscribe to them Come nah. on. he's just pissed <laughs> off because they only get like digital screeners and you guys get hard copies He's pissed off. Yeah, yeah. Make it Those look mofos real bad. always fucking again. Um, <laughs> take number one. Anybody who pledges three dollars or what is it? Yeah, three dollars or more uh, will be. Oh, actually, we're gonna do this. I changed this on the spot. Brand. This actually, I'm stealing this directly from Exploding Heads. So check this out. This is a good idea. So at least one. If we have multiple giveaways, um, we we will at least do one like this. Basically, the amount that you pledge will be the amount of entries you get. So if you pledge $6, you'll get six entries. And I think that that's a little bit more fair of a way to do it because it gives the people who are, you know, um, putting the most out there a, a, a better opportunity to win a prize, um, which makes sense because they 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 earned the better opportunity. Uh, and I, I think that that's a good idea. That's how Exploding Heads is doing it. And uh uh, we won't. Do, we will still do like one where everybody has an equal shot because it's you know f- cool to do that too. But I think I think probably the biggest prize if we if you know like for example uh, if we do like one copy of Phenomena and and a copy of like the Creeping Garden or whatever the hell it was called, um, <laughs> we'll do the Phenomena, which is obviously the bigger prize where where each dollar is an entry. 
Um, so if you if if you're like Sam and you bought the thirty dollar like Italian Horror Month, you get thirty entries. Um, I think that that's pretty cool. What do you guys think? Sounds or legit to me. <laughs> yeah, you guys cool with that? Sounds legit. So, for example, this this next month, I'm obviously giving away two copies of Phantasm on DVD. Uh, one of the copies, I'll do a standard one entry per person. The second copy, it'll be based on dollar amount. That way, everybody wins. Except for only two people actually win. But <laughs> Hopefully, it's not Jerry. If it's not Jerry, all is good. Also, uh, we did officially add the commentary option to the Patreon. So, if anybody wants to make us watch a movie and 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 uh have fun with it you can give something cool like halloween where we talk about halloween um, i don't want to talk about halloween pick a bad movie okay or you could go jeremy's route and pick like Halloween. children Sun. of the corn 2 i'm down for children of the corn oh too, so. fuck that movie i think I even doing the commentary class. on that one is fucking gross it'll be fun as balls yeah all right and and that is all for sort of the intro slash knowledge slash slash first Patreon. 50 minutes of the show all right well yeah. then let's uh let's bust into the news <laughs> right now all right uh news this week not the biggest so uh it should go by pretty quickly guys um first up amc fear fest uh they announced their lineup it's actually slightly disappointing because it is their shortest lineup in a very long time amc's fear fest originally started in 1996 um, so this is their 21st anniversary of the of the thing, uh, the Halloween um, horror marathon. Uh, they started as AMC's Monster Fest, and you know it's developed into Fear Fest. Uh, Bloody Disgusting actually got this information. They reached out to AMC, um, and basically it's going from October 23rd to the 31st. So it's it's only one week this year. Very sad. Uh, but hmm. basically, uh, the reason that it's one week is because the week before that, they're airing all 99 episodes of The Walking Dead uh, to season eight's premiere landmark 100th. That's bullshit. <laughs> Fucking shows the monster version. Those, oh, no, that's TNT. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. still, shows the monster vision anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, th- so the movies in AFC's Fear Fest this year, uh, the dates are not announced for this, but uh, you have Halloween. Halloween 4, Halloween 5, Halloween 6, H2O, uh, Rob Zombies H2, Nightmare on Elm Street 2010, Freddy vs. Jason, Jason Goes to Hell, Jason Go- Jason X, uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, Child's Play, Curse of Chucky, and get this, Cult of Chucky. So Already? the same month wow. that this thing's getting released digitally and on DVD, it's also making its TV premiere. That's pretty huge. Yeah, that's that's yeah. going to do big numbers for them. Interesting. Um, very interesting. So, Call of Chucky. If you if you're not a big uh, physical media guy, you don't like spending money on rent and stuff, but you're a huge Walking Dead fan, so you have AMC. Check yeah, out that shit's gonna Chucky. be edited to shit, though. Fuck that. Uh, to probably. a point, they just put more yeah, extended I mean, they get, stuff they, on. Like, the they don't DVDs. even really. They've never. They've never even had nudity in Child's Play, have they? No. So, um, I mean, and honestly, they get away with some gory ass shit on TV nowadays. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's near intact. Uh, so then you have Annabelle, Thinner, Dreamcatcher, Dawn of the Dead 04, Land of the Dead, uh, House of the Dead 1 and 2, uh, House on Haunted Hill, Return to House on Haunted Hill, ha- House of Wax 05, Hellbound Hellraiser 2, Army of Darkness, Van Helsing, Lake Placid, S- Slither, and the Leprechaun franchise. <laughs> 
Which Postmaster Pete. Really, the uh, Leprechaun friends? It's leprechaun like films, fucking uh, Halloween, man. It just seems out of place. I don't know. No, wait. God. Leprechaun is a staple in horror. Just yeah, keep that shit for March. <laughs> keep that shit for March, man. You know. Yeah, so uh, that that's the AMC lineup. Um, not as grand as it is it normally is. Uh, I wish I don't actually have the TCM lineup in front of me, and it was honestly a little bit too long to to read off everything because I think it's all October long. But uh, that's your place for classic horror like Dracula and Nosferatu and Phantom of the Opera and stuff like that. So good um, stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's that'll be on heavy rotation with in- commercials. Yeah. Yeah, but um, check it check it out if you're interested. Uh, after that, we have um, Muschetti. I don't know what his name is. The guy Ch- directed it. <laughs> Machete. Whatever the fuck you said. Uh, basically, he teased that the home video version of it will actually have a 15 minute uh, director's cut. Really? So uh-huh. 15, 15 extra minute director's cut. Wow. So it'll be so fifteen minutes of other scenes. So it's gonna be so it's gonna be actually two and a half hours now. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. So uh, that's pretty cool. Maybe it's gonna get even uh, gorier and shit. Nice or blurrier. Sorry, I had to say it. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after that, we have um, a second wave of theaters that are playing Victor Crowley. Uh, which is the fourth Hatchet film. Um, so uh, October 1st will be Dallas, Texas. October 2nd, Houston, Texas. Third will be San Francisco, California. October 4th will be El Paso, Texas. Uh, October 6th, Santa, Mo- Santa Ana, California. October 10th, Philadelphia, PA. Uh, October 23rd, Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, October 26th, Burlington. What's IA? Iowa, you dumbass. I, uh, October 27th, um, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga. Uh, Chattanooga. <laughs> uh, October 30th, New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. Um, and that's it. So those are the newest additions. Um, only five of those have Adam Green in attendance, though. Uh, but I will say this. I ordered my tickets to go Me see too. Victor Crowley. Mooch, did you order yours? Jeremy got his. <laughs> Where the fuck am I going <laughs> to see that? Christ. California, dude. Yeah. It's playing like four places there. It's a little, <laughs> a little far. A little a far. Little far. <laughs> Make a day out of it. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, theoretically, I could do, I could get down there and get back in the same day. It's only two and a half hour flight from Vancouver, so it's not too bad. So. I, could you imagine, dude? If you Adam Green better give Flew. you a low job if you fly to see Hatchet Four, <laughs> that would be fucking insane. <laughs> like that's just yeah. insane. <laughs> uh, so what? When is your date, Jamie? October twenty first. Okay, so I'm I'm a few weeks ahead of you. I'm on the eighth, I believe. Yeah. So. Saturday uh, night. Pretty excited. I'd be really disappointed if Adam Green cancels for some reason and can't make it, um, because that's one of the more exciting things ever to watch a movie with the director uh, that's that's the time <laughs> yeah shut up um, all you so, have to do is come here oh yeah the, and they added um Madden 2 and land of the dead to that horror marathon the what two 
the Manitou. Manitou. Which the is, Manitou. Which oh. is awesome, cheesy funness. They've showed that before. It's fun. Tony Curtis fucking dancing hilariously. It's and land of the And Land of the Dead. All right, cool. Uh, I would actually be interested in Land of the Dead. But uh, the final little bit. In, oh, actually, we have this as well. Manitou's better uh, than they, that film. Full, full Moon added the, I guess, box set of Puppet Master uh, for pre-order. It's like $250. It's all 11 Puppet Master. It only films. works You're going to get it for free. It only so works out. I, I don't matter. think I am. It only works out to 21 okay, bucks sure. the Blu-ray. What the fuck? Yeah, when you actually broke down the math, I was very insulted. Um, yeah, dude. I understand a heavy price tag, but honestly, like, That's no more than $15 a Blu-ray yeah, is the dude. maximum you should be paying. The 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 appropriate price is $10 a Blu-ray. Well, to be honest, man, I mean, the first comments were, you know, but oh, we're getting that real sexy box. And I'm like, yeah, but at the end of the day, you're buying the box that for the fucking films, not the trunk. <laughs> Yeah. 21 bucks a blue like as far as I'm concerned I only think about what I'm paying for the blue I don't care the box and shit should be free fuck that you know that's a throw in that's yeah, the, that's the, sell, that's the that. selling point on that shit but 250 bucks Mr. Band Mr. Band do we have to go off on you again but it is signed by Charles Band. So. Oh, fuck you, JP. I You're bet you he has some fucking hired midget signing him. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. You was know what's rude. funny? That was rude. That was you know rude. what's funny? But it is Charles Band. Like, I, he's doing some shady shit, right? So. I actually own the original trunk that they did. Yeah, yeah. And I think I paid like 60 bucks for that. So, like, that was like $30 a movie. <laughs> so, you're getting a better deal with this one. <laughs> Oh, uh, fuck. that's funny. But that one only had the first uh, two Blu-ray or first two films in there. No, it had the first and last. At the time, the last was Access to Evil, which I believe was part nine. Oh, damn, dude! You got the first in, the, in a real bad one for sixty bucks. Oh, oh I like part nine. It's uh, all right. Uh, really, the only ones like okay, Puppet Master three. I just remember and, the CG being really bad in that one. Like the dolls were. Is that is that in part nine or is that part ten? It were, might be part ten because I don't remember an over amount of CG. It in might part be part nine. ten because I remember like the dolls are like really poor. It's kind of like watching um, uh, what's it, what's that other full moon film? The part two with the really bad CG fucking toys. Uh, demonic, demonic toys. Demonic too. toys too. Oh my god, that's kind of what it reminded me of. Man, I think that's what it was. All right. Well, at least you got a but, better one. So. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to the Puppet Master series eventually. I'm not buying that box set. It's overpriced. But if if I get a copy of it, which I don't think that I am, I will tell you that it's a good deal. Because, no, I'm just kidding. You guys know me better than that. Now. Oh, get them. <laughs> in and out. Breathe in and out. You don't have to make a bitchy comment, Jeremy. You could do it. I can right, do it. So, uh, let's fucking move bitch, on you here. Got that. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it, I was so close. Uh, speaking of that that Empire box that you got, did you were, were you like contracted to do individual reviews for all those nope. fucking 400 films that were in there or you just had to do the unboxing and show the act, the you know the content? Listen, here's of it? what I said. I was like, "Yo dog, um if you give me a copy of that, I will do a video review there slash unboxing." Absolutely of the no way that you sent an email to Full Moon saying, "Yo dog." <laughs> There's no fucking way. No, I said, 
quote unquote, listen up, homie. I got a great oh, idea. Yeah, right. <laughs> you are fucking. Oh man, I'm just gonna be cool, dude, and just open this, this guy, box. This guy thinks he can sell anything. fucking. I was, I was like, I was like, listen, you know that cool dude, dude. I want to basically do that, but on a smaller scale. Screw <laughs> <laughs> that. Um, well, so, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and. Uh, <laughs> they don't actually do not care if you actually review the films or not. They just want exposure for the box set. That's it. I guess so. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, so, uh, and I did review like nearly half of them in that video. So fuck off. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I've seen all of them. Uh, but like half of them. Anyway, uh, the last little bit of news here we have, guys, is um, actually very exciting to me. Yeah. Uh it is that Jamie Lee Curtis is cast as Laurie Strode in Blumhouse's Halloween, uh, slated for October 19th, 2018. Which, by the way, Jason Blum, Jason Blum, is his name? Jason Blum, yep. uh, swore on his life that this film would actually come out in 2018. Um, so, it, I believe him. I believe him. I. I really had a hard time even deciphering through all the come on, you know, on the screens of everyone's computers that that was actually happening with. I've seen a lot of hate, honestly. Damn, dude. Like, but I think it's because people were confused. Like, what's the storyline going to be here? Like, where are they setting this? place after Halloween, too. Yeah. Basically, they've said that from the get go that. Oh, so they um, are continuing along with that. Okay. That's like official. Yeah. They're like, I mean. The thing is, like, I don't know if they'll ignore H two O, um, two because you could technically do yeah. Halloween, well, Halloween two. That's and what H2O. my point is. I was leaning towards H two O thing, and everyone's kind of going, well, "What the fuck is going on?" It was just like a rehash of that. I I don't know what they're going to do. I, but I, I it honestly, seems, it seems honestly think they're going to ignore. They're going to ignore Halloween, um, everything after part two. Honestly, I, I feel like they're doing that. If they're geniuses, they will ignore everything after part six but doesn't that make because it I, seem like a total cash grab you know the halloween franchise really does no, need no. to put out a new entry and why not bring jamie lee curtis back but let's ignore everything that's ever happened after part two from the franchise well and we'll just it, it to me it just seems like man we're fucking sinking we're a sinking ship here let's call up fucking jamie lee and get her yogurt ass over here and <laughs> no, I, you know, I, she's I, all regular. Because she's all regular. I, I mean, because <laughs> she's all regular and shit. And you know, like get her yogurt. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like you have to I've see the logistics in this. You have to see the logistics in this, man. It seems oh, like man, having funny. her back is like a total cash grab. I mean, everyone's eating it up, dude. There, I mean, let's face it. Halloween has well, some of the. It, and I, see, I, I, I'm going to say this politely. I'm going to say this politely. Halloween has some of the most annoying fan people, fanboys ever. Halloween, like Halloween fanboys are the worst, in my opinion. And like this, yeah, Jamie they're, they're news pretty was bad. Just, I agree with that. Pretty fucking like, whoa! Like I completely disagree, though. In 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 this, dude. Like I'm so annoyed that everybody's like, oh, dude, they need to go back. 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 They need to. They need to forget about everything they've done, and they need to bring back the shape. They need to go back to John Carpenter's style Halloween. So then all, they man. do that, and then everybody's like, "Oh, come on! Like, they're gonna bring Jamie Lee Curtis back." Well, isn't that going back? Isn't that what everybody kind of missed? Mm-hmm. I my main problem oh. is I cannot stand 
these fucking timelines, man. Like chainsaw is all over the place. It's getting ridiculous. It is. But like, and, and I was actually going to make a video once I get my editing software back. The main problem with remakes, it is not that they're remakes. The main problem with remakes is they don't work. The whole point, we're going to reboot the franchise. We're going to start over, start it fresh. And then what do they do? They make one film, maybe a sequel if we're lucky. Maybe. Not with Elm Street, not with Friday the 13th. Okay, we got one with Halloween. We got a prequel with TCM. And then what happens? But essentially, all they all failed. That's what happens. They all but they reverted. don't fail. They all make money. No, no, no. I meant, I meant as, as a new product. Because theoretically, if they're not going to continue with the reboot, quote-unquote, and you, you can see my stupid fucking face right now, that they always revert back to doing shit in the original franchise. Hence, not technically working. Oh, that's what I meant. Like, yeah. they don't work. Yeah. Like, like, so instead of getting a sequel to Friday the 13th and then a second sequel and a third sequel and re- like uh, the point of rebooting the franchise is to start over because it got too convoluted. But yet every time it seems like they reboot these things and then they're like, eh, well, let's go back to here and like look at Chainsaw, right? This has happened in every Chainsaw franchise. Chainsaw was rebooted. Yeah. Ch- Chainsaw was rebooted. And then they really didn't want to continue with the beginning storyline anymore. So um, they're like, okay, well, let's... It's almost like the days in the 80s where you can make kind of a cheesy, like, sequel don't exist anymore. Like, to make a sequel... Like, you look at Chainsaw 2, and it's like, that's kind of a batshit weird sequel that wouldn't fly today. Like, it just doesn't make sense that, like, oh, they're living underground in some, like, abandoned theme park. Or, like, you look at Child's Play 2, and it's like, oh, electricity, like, randomly shocked this thing and brought him back to life. Like, I feel like people just won't accept that type of stuff today. So if you if you kill off the character, you, like, can't bring him I back don't, anymore. I don't, I don't 100% agree that people won't buy into those ridiculous ways of igniting a sequel. I think it's because... The the industry is leaning towards being a little too fancy with creating sequels now. They want to do something fresh and different. They want to get away from the things that actually did work at one time, hence the 80s and maybe the early 90s and stuff with sequels. And I think that's but what I it feel is. Like nobody's doing that because nobody's even making the sequels. Like, I don't feel like they're trying to do something new and well, fresh. Because nobody's they- making them because they're trying to come up with these damn fresh ideas. Remember, we had this conversation, what, two, three years ago on the podcast about the Friday the 13th sequel to the remake like where in the why in the fuck don't like they had no problems in the 80s writing these films in five minutes and all of a sudden it's like all these years are <laughs> yeah, passing so in I, between okay, these I kind of get what you're saying and a it's little like, bit like you're trying me? too hard and you're stuff stop, like that stop yeah. being so damn stop overthinking what you're doing here at the end of the day it's a fucking slasher film right it doesn't yeah. have well, to be see, rockets I, you're not I, reinventing I the goddamn knife I don't I, <laughs> I, I truly don't want to see the same shit over again. But I, over I'm not saying again. it has to be. I'm not saying it has to be the exact same shit. I'm just saying these films aren't brain. They're not fucking brain surgery. At the like end of I'll the day. tell you right now, if if we seen a Friday the 13th film that looked exactly like the remake and added nothing to the story, I would be a little bit disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? If they actually did make a sequel and it was just another Jason film, because that's what the remake was. It was just another Jason film. Like I would it, like that worked in the 80s and it works for nostalgia for me. But I don't want to see that over and over again necessarily. Like I would still be okay with it and rather have that than nothing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I want to see the the story develop. But I get so frustrated with these. Films films because it's like 
like and then now they're talking about like maybe like i know what's gonna happen they're gonna actually remake friday 13th again and uh, it's gonna piss me off because it's like every time you it's like if you read the first chapter of a book and then you just closed it closed it and was like "Ah, let's start over and read the first chapter again like it's very annoying to me Mm -hmm. because so that's basically what you have you either have a reboot after reboot after reboot which is an origin story typically or you have these clusterfuck timelines where it's like okay we're gonna make uh we're gonna reboot chainsaw okay well let's want to make a sequel no let's actually do a prequel and tell the origin story okay that's fine that's cool i like that can we do a sequel next no actually you know what let's go and make a sequel to the original film and it's like uh, okay (laughs) i guess we forgot about the whole thing that we just did here and it's like okay so we make that sequel to the uh, 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 and and fuck up the timeline it's like okay that's not a big deal to me honestly (laughs) Um, but you do admit it's fucked up though yeah, it's intentionally fucked up. So that's why I don't have a problem with it. Um, so then, you know, okay, want to make a sequel to that? It's like, nah, actually not. Let's do a prequel to the original now. And it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, like, why? what happened to this linear timeline? Like, you look at the Halloween well, I don't think they right? exist anymore. No linear timelines exist anymore in they the world don't, of, in the world of franchises. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's, well, <clears throat> which is kind of ironic in itself because nobody in the history of fans could ever figure out the actual timeline within all these films, <laughs> right? <laughs> Do they take place in one so, year or one month or who fucking knows, right? Well, okay, so we, we just talked about Chainsaw's timeline, which, by the way, is even more fucked up because I didn't even mention the fact that part three ignores part two and is a sequel to part one, and then part four is a, ignores part two and three and is a sequel to part one as well. So, like, that series is massively fucked. You look at Friday the 13th, Jason 1 through 9, a straight string of sequels mm-hmm. jason x skips way ahead and then freddy versus jason puts it right after jason goes to hell but before jason x so friday the 13th pretty good timeline halloween you have halloween one halloween two halloween well not three because that's weird uh but you have halloween four <laughs> you have halloween four and five okay so so far you're pretty good then you have halloween six still good so you essentially have five films in a row that have continuity um, it's a little wacky continuity, but it's still there. I would say, uh, and wacky. then H two O comes out, and you're like, "Well, actually, you know what? Halloween f- four, five, and six actually didn't happen. Really, all that happened was Halloween one, two, and then H two O. And then they have Resurrection, which is a sequel to H two O. So the the this there's two timelines. There's Halloween one through six, and then there's Halloween one two H two O Resurrection. So two separate timelines in the same franchise. Uh, even though you could have tied four, five, and six into H2O, and apparently Kevin Williamson actually tried to do so, and they didn't and, want it. And for the record, we are not haters. Well, at least I'm not of Halloween three. You know, it's it's no, the oddball like- one out, and you know, in, you know, at times, you know, if you could have saw saw, if you could have seen in the future, if you could have foreseen the future of the Halloween franchise, here's an odd scenario when. They were doing Halloween 3. Do you think that... Do you think it would have been the better idea to like continue along with John Carpenter's original idea? Or do you like what they did with these two different timelines? Do you think that worked better for the fans? Or do you think that you know, if they had continued on with these separate Halloween stories like John Carpenter had intended uh-huh. at in Part 3? Do you... You know, I mean, sometimes I wonder what it would have been like. Nah, it would have sucked. It would have it would have got lame after a little bit. Um, but, but, even though, 
because here's the problem is like I like Halloween three, but I I truly think that if it was just if it did not have a Halloween name, that it would just be another eighties kind of like gem that people like. Like I think it would have been um, another. Uh, it would have been kind of a cult classic or whatever we call them these days. But um, I don't know, man. I think that I mean, me personally, man, I'm not honestly a big fan of like anything after part four. Right in the original franchise, I I, admit, I love H two O. So I, I see. I'm I mean, not a big like, fan. So like I, I would and I, love and to I really seen. really like Halloween six. So I, I mean I'm cool with Halloween. Love Halloween six. Yeah, see, Halloween six is, is cool. I really I like know, the man. producer Scott. I like the Thorn storyline. I think it makes sense. I'm down with it. See, I, I think now, that's what it is. I don't like that storyline, and I, I would have loved to have seen you know just what they would. I mean, obviously, don't the films would have been completely polar opposite of the Halloween three story. Season the witch. Yeah. You would have got a brand new one, which who knows if it would have been better or worse or whatever. But just the thought of if they had to continue that way, it would have been interesting. I mean, we wouldn't be having no, this conversation it, it would right have now. Been interesting, but but the the problem is, is that honestly, like it would not have been successful to keep maintaining that. Even if you released Halloween three as season of the witch and it never was connected to Halloween films, I don't think that you would have had enough success with that film to generate more Maybe sequels. not theatrically and, you know, in the mainstream, but I think, you know, like a lot of the films from the 80s, I mean, let's face it, I mean, the majority of the films that we love and watch on replay these days didn't do well in their theatrical runs and even weren't even that well recepted back in the 80s in the VHS era and stuff. They become cult classics for a reason. I think, honestly, I think just having the name attached, even with today's fanboys and, you know, and the way people love to see and find new cult movies, I think it would have done pretty well. It's fucking Halloween. Anything to do with a film that's directly associated with Halloween, <clears throat> I think would have done well. I, I think it would have worked better if it happened at part two and not part three, because it, it really doesn't make sense to you know, that's start a, that's a, valid a, point. a fresh I agree with story you. with I part three, because it's like you already established that this is an ongoing storyline yeah, because I, you did it. You know what? Two. I 100% agree with that. I actually 100% agree with that. You know, if but, they had it done it in part two, for sure. Um, yeah, I can't argue. But back to actually, you know, Halloween, the other films in the series. Uh, I think that when you so if this one ignores everything after part two, then it is actually technically a third timeline within a, a series <laughs> of, of films. Um, it's at technically a fourth timeline in the overall aspect of films and maybe even a fifth if you count Halloween three as a timeline. But if you just count the original series, you know, one through, uh, I guess seven, um, it would be the set, the third timeline, which is, is very frustrating. It, yes. it very much is frustrating, but at the same time, um, I'm not opposed to it because like, to me, it's like, I think that, I think that it's it, like, where do you go? from from where it is like if you were making a halloween film right now just you don't have to tell me a story or anything do you a continue off of rob zombies films meaning you're probably not going to get the same cast back you might be able to get one or two people scout taylor compton's definitely not doing it you might be able to get malcolm mcdowell you'll pretty much have to start with new characters um or do you go back and you make a sequel to to resurrection because that was the last in the timeline or do you go back and make a sequel to Halloween six? Like, where do you actually make the sequel? You know what? I think it all depends on 
on what really the fans want. I mean, this is a fan franchise. I mean, I mean, I think the the consensus is people. I mean, I would love to, love to have seen the Rob Zombie films continue. That's me. I know a lot of people disagree, but that's fine. You're Without Rob Zombie, just the storyline. You know. Yeah. Um. Why not? Why not? I mean, this happens all the time in franchises. We don't have the same directors doing more than maybe one or two films in a franchise, it seems like. So we've seen this over and over again. It's nothing new to us. I wouldn't have been offended, you know, if they had continued with Rob Zombie's story and with a new director, new story. Um, you know, it would be nice to see some of the same characters come back. But to be honest, that's what I would rather see that than them plug a brand new film into the original franchise after they've already rebooted it with a sequel too. I mean, that's just, that's just my opinion. I mean, as much as I love, and the, I, love- I, I would probably rather that too. Yeah. Um, but I would very much agree that you're going to get a very different film than you would if you made a sequel to part two, yep. because it's a completely different style. The storyline is completely different. I mean, it's, it's way more grounded in, in reality based and, and sort of, uh, uh, more psychological in, in with Rob Zombie's two films, so it, it's a completely different look. It's a completely different feel. Um, I feel like you can make more of a actual, you know, Halloween film in in. A- I think there's a lot more opportunity here, man. When you start rehashing, you know, characters from the original fr- or start doing new films from the original franchise, I mean, you're kind of messing with the same shit, right? I think if you're continuing along with the Rob Zombie films. It opens yeah, the but door. That, I think that's what everybody wants is like they, yeah. they, they want to the old Halloween back because it hasn't been Halloween since arguably Halloween six. <laughs> well, to some people, I mean, see, I, I, I look at it differently completely because, you know, I mean, Halloween to me kind of ended with part four for my enjoyment. But when Rob Zombie, his, yeah, but you got to admit that Halloween one, two, four, five and six all feel like they're in the same world for sure for sure but i would you know I'm, I'm always down for a change though too and when rob zombie did his remake i was happy with that part two took multiple watches to finally like absorb all its absurdity absurdity and like just all the shit that was going on in that but i mean i think we've watched that film enough that we've kind of developed a passion for it almost in a way i mean at least i have and I liked it from the get go, so fuck you guys. Well, I mean, you know, the thing it took it took multiple watches to fully appreciate, not understand what he was getting at with you know the white horse. You know, that's not really my favorite stuff. But nah, it, I still hate that fucker. But it's still the it's still it's it's a different film. But I liked the direction that he was taking this, and that's why I wanted to see another film after that. And I would still like I know, to see it, another. It's just film. hard to figure out where you would really go. But because he kind of left it with like Laurie being crazy this, and stuff. Like this it's, is the it's a little hard. To this is the challenges that you know happens in this industry and this is why we have writers and creators i mean i'm sure somebody could come up with something pretty damn cool you brainstorm from that and you come up with well, a cool if story you remember back that. there yeah. was actually a sequel written for that film todd farmer wrote it mm-hmm. um so todd there farmer, was a the shot on video expert halloween <laughs> That's no awesome. no what, what? Is, is not, oh you said todd farmer oh, i thought you said donald farmer no, like, Todd Todd Farmer from Jason Jason X fame yeah, and, yeah. and My yeah, Bloody Valentine and right. and Drive Angry. Um yeah, he actually wrote him and or him and Patrick Lucier wrote a Halloween three, like for that to fall to follow off of Rob Zombie's films, but to kind of take it back to to the shape or whatever. And by the way, I really hate when people call him the shape. Like I've never liked that. Thank you for pointing um, that but, out because I'm not a big fan of that either. Yeah. Um 
I'm just so I know we're gonna get a good Halloween film. I'm mark my goddamn words, all right? And watch what happens. We're gonna get a good film. Comes out October nineteenth, twenty eighteen. I'm excited that Jamie Lee's back. I'm excited that Carpenter's probably scoring the film. Uh, I'm excited that it's the whatever you say. Fans are making this film, which I think can be a good thing. Sometimes a bad thing, but I think in this case it will be a good thing. Well, you know, get up for Jamie Lee coming back. I guess I, you know, <laughs> I'm not like overly stoked. I mean, I'm cool. It's cool that there's a new Halloween film and stuff, but I was a little bit disappointed. You don't think that it's cool that like, okay, this is probably the last time she'll ever be able to do this. Like, it, let's say <laughs> Donald Pleasant is alive. Right, I'm not wouldn't, hating. Wouldn't you want Donald in there one last time? Of course, of course. I'm not hating at all, but I just I was always hell bent, hell bent on the fact that they were gonna do something with the with the zombie films. But I guess they're just not universally loved enough. So Jamie Leedis, Jamie Leedis, Jamie Leedis, Jamie Lee Curtis takes president. And Jamie Lee. I'm not, I, I I'm not that, opposed to it. I think that those films are loved enough. I just think that they. They kind of put it in the direction that I didn't – personally, I didn't want to see Halloween go. Like I didn't want Laurie Strode to be – like they try that all the time. They did it with uh, Daniel Harris too in the, in the original uh, series where it's like – and they tried it in Friday the 13th with Tommy Jarvis too. I don't yeah, like part, the idea yeah, that somebody else is. is becoming the killer. Like it's dumb to me. Um, and they kind of, and Rob Zombie almost kind of did that a little bit, maybe a tiny bit, but I think I think there was a lot of room to develop something else out of that too. I mean, I think there there definitely is. I mean, but anyways, this will remain to be seen how good this film is going to be. So, I mean, if it's anything like H two O, it's not going to be my favorite thing in the world. So, oh, it's not going to be like that. That was so inspired by Scream. Oh, dude, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know me. I love, I love a good shout Listen, out. Listen, Blumhouse a good is a films. great studio. Blumhouse got this, homie. Watch. Oh, I, I bet you they do, man. I just, you know, I mean, I love my shout outs to films and stuff, and and little nods to the film. But that one was just filled. It was overfilled with them. Like, I mean, they were just overdoing it in H two O. It's ridiculous, but. My word. All right, that's the news. That's the news? Oh, shit. Yeah. All righty. So let's get into the DVD and Blu-ray releases for September 19th, 2017. There's like fuck all here. It's not like last week where apparently I went completely overboard. I don't know what I was doing, but... but wait till next week. Next week's is like... We yeah, will not be doing horror releases next week, most likely. Yeah, we'll that's good. Not, not announcing what we're doing yet, just in case it changes, but... Um, <clears throat> No. But yeah, so it rhymes with Wexus, Wainshaw, Masterwater. First up here, we have season five of Bates Motel coming to Blu-ray. I'm assuming DVD also. Is that the last season? Yes. Yep. And now also, it's time to watch. And also, oddly enough, they're putting out the complete series at the same time. I have all the seasons. I've just been waiting. Yeah, I actually have the first four. Also, I don't know what's up with that, but it's. Just, I'm gonna watch the entire series when we cover Psycho. I have watched the first four seasons and I really enjoy it, man. It, it you know, because I remember on a long, like a, an episode a long time ago, you even said like, I think I had said I wasn't too sure about it being set in modern times. You know, and you're like, no, I think you're gonna like this. I think you're gonna like this, man. Fuck me, I really like this, man. Good show, good show. But yeah, they're dropping a complete series also, which I think is kind of funny that they're doing that on the same day. But it is what it is, man. Well, I mean, if you've already had the other ones, then it's like, well, I don't need the complete series. 
I guess what would kinda... really be a dick move is if they only released the complete series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True that. True and that. then they released season five later. <laughs> yeah, that is a that's a total dick move. Um, next up here is a film called The Bad Patch. I don't know if this is necessarily a horror film, um, but I did read directed from the lady who did uh, fucking the girls who come at night. Is that the name of it? The one with the red cover from. Um, I swear this is her other movie. I know all about the girls that come at night. How? A girl rocks. A girl walks home alone at night. Sorry, I was oh, close. Oh, oh, really? This is oh, okay. Okay. This is her next movie. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Well, anyways, I just I, I quickly read the editorial review synopsis here, and it's, it, I saw the word cannibals in this, and I was like, okay, well, it might have poor elements. I don't know how horror it's actually going to be, but. This one has Keanu Reeves in it. <laughs> and he looks fucking hilarious on the cover, man. So I don't know what's going on with this one. Straight to DVD movie with Keanu Reeves. I thought he was back oh, on top of the You know what else it was a straight to DVD movie with Keanu Reeves? The Neon Demon. Yeah, this man. had a limited release. It oh, played did, here. Oh, did it really? Crazy. Okay. Yeah. I just never heard of it, man. I was just surprised to see this one. I was like, okay. Yeah. Cool Bones. You know, I, I just thought, you know, since he did John Wick, he was back on top of the fucking realm, you know, and... Uh, Oh. Who knows getting all these John Wick 3, releases. June 2019 oh. as a release date. I can't wait. I cannot wait. So good. Uh, next up here from uh, the Warner Archive collection, we've got the Blu-ray of Innocent Blood. And I know I've stated this before because um, I've actually been asked this a couple times. The Blu-ray editions of the Warner Archive films are actually pressed discs, if you're wondering. Yeah. For some odd reason, they didn't do that with the DVDs, and it's been a question that keeps arriving. People are like not buying them because they don't want to buy BDRs and stuff, and they're actually pressed. So to let you know, Innocent Blood, cool film coming out. Never uh, seen it. Uh, yeah, I, th- those things are so damn expensive. I don't never buy those Warner archives, man. They're just ridiculous. Um, yeah, next up here from Lionsgate, real real. This this title is like super original. Ghost House. Woohoo! Look at the cover. And I think I think Scott Taylor Compton gets nudie in this one. No, really? I didn't yeah. see. Any, there's. It's funny because there's no names on the cover of this, and I was wondering. That's oh. what I read. She Ooh. shows her titties. Nice. So, I'll check it out just for that. Oh, I love her. That's a little bit of jerk material there. That's that's not bad. That's not bad. Um, but yeah, anyways, very generic title with Ghost House. I mean, there's a million house, million house, a million films called Ghost. Oh my god, I can't talk. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, from Kino, they actually distribute the. They have like the DVD rights for the Code Red films that have been being put out on DVD. So Kino's releasing Deadly Dreams and Sweet Sixteen, which is actually re-release of DVD. So Deadly Dreams um, getting its first DVD release. It just got released on Blu-ray by Code Red. So. If you're interested in those, I loosely recommend Deadly Dreams. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's kind of an obscure-ass film that, you know, just never had a release until Code Red did it. Sweet 16, in my opinion, is utter shit. It's fucking <laughs> terrible. Um, absolutely horrible. So <laughs> be a judge on that one if you want to. But uh, that is going to do it for the releases. There is nothing this week. Like There was that Starship Troopers movie, too. I don't consider Starship Troopers to be anything horror-related. I... Really? I've never seen them, but I always thought they were like killer insect movies or something. I think they're kind of gory. I don't know. I have only ever seen the first one. What? Okay, this film that's read. Jeremy, do you know anything about these films? 
Which films? The Starship Trooper. No, nah, I think it's like. Is it number five or something like that? Four. Is it four? Number four. Oh, okay. Anyways, if you guys are interested in that one's coming out, it's called Traitor of Mars. So, yeah, I, I can't really comment on it. Like I said, I've only ever seen the first one, so I don't know what the sequels are like or if they're horror-related or anything, but they look more sci-fi-ish action yeah, type they're, thing. they're so. listed as action-adventure sci-fi. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> pick of the, pick of the uh, week here. Release, release of the week. Release of the week. Um, wow, I really don't know what to do here, but, you know, if you want to get into watching a TV series... At least a good one, in my opinion. Why not pick up the complete series of Bates Motel? Why not do it? Boom, bada boom. Go with that right there. It's a good show. I gotta finish it, man. I've only, like I said, I'm watched the first four seasons and really, really fucking enjoying it. But I'm one of those weird ass people that needs to wait till it comes out on media. I'm just I'm strange like that. So, but check it out. Really good stuff. And that is the releases. Yeah. And what do we got coming up now? Let's get into a little bit of uh, box office brawl. Can we do that? That's, I don't know. Jeremy. I don't know if we can. This oh, Because it's Saturday. <laughs> well, we can, but uh, we have to pretty much. But Box office brawl. Jeremy sucks at that. All right. So um, to kind of uh, go over, Jeremy is right. It is Saturday. So we can't necessarily officially – award points but it's looking like i'm gonna win for mother is that correct yeah yeah it made 3.1 million dollars on friday god damn. so let's just assume so that's point- thursday and friday yeah so i would assume 3.1 thursday and friday let's add four and a half million for saturday and three million for sunday and so that is at 7.6 plus three 10.6 all right, so well away from Moods is $25 million and you're <laughs> million guests. Uh, I told you, Fuck. fucks. I was like, I, I, I was like, I guarantee you this movie comes way lower. I don't even have to put my bet lower because all I have to do is go under Jeremy kind of to kind of win it still. Um, as long as it's under me, then I win. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was uh, – my true guess was about $12 million, which is probably still over, overshadowing it. I said sixteen. Um, I'm probably going to get the points, which if I do, that would put uh, me versus Moods. It would be three to two. Me versus Jeremy would be uh, four or five to two. So I'm crushing Jeremy. And Jeremy versus Moods, Jeremy would get the points. So it would be two to two. Fuck. I guess my, <laughs> my, my logic wasn't working on that one. You know, I was, I was, trying, to, I was trying to be optimistic with that. And I heard Jennifer that. Lawrence shows her titties in this one too. <clears throat> Jesus. Am I right, JP? Uh, well, she's super naked online anyway. Which I know I, that. I oh, that's because of that many, whole, many times. That um, whole fat thing. Yeah, there is nudity <laughs> by Jennifer Lawrence. I wouldn't necessarily. It's uh, Jennifer Lawrence shows her titties though. Um, because like, is it I'll her honest, or is like, it a body the, double? Is it a body? It's double? her. It's definitely her. Really? But okay. I, like, I kept commenting in the movie. I'm like, I'm like, I hope she shows her titties because the first scene, <laughs> she, you can see her nipples through her shirt, and I was like, oh. I was like, I excited. find that even almost. And then I'll tell you what, when it happened, I was not excited. I'll just leave it at that. Well, See? man, actually the through, the sh- through the shirt sometimes. Are you more even... looking forward to seeing Jennifer Lawrence titties or Jeanette McCurdy's titties? Because I know you want to see her titties. I've too. seen. 
Also, Who the fuck is that? I, don't even I think I, I like. It's the other. Penny. It's the other broad JP has the hots for. Yeah, and Hayden Panettiere as well, which I've seen those as well. So, I'm all good. Um, so one thing, so, uh, it, it looks like mother is going to underperform from, from what our guesses were Got a fucking as, F, dude. <laughs> as well as, um, critically, it's probably not going to be super great. Uh, fan wise, I already, I, as soon as I seen the movie, I was like, I was like, this is going to be a hundred percent like an income. It comes at night backlash. Um, but maybe even worse because of the content of the film, uh, I'll get. I'm actually going to be reviewing it tonight. I will do a spoiler-free version of that review for you guys because my co-hosts have not seen it and the listeners have not seen it. Um, I'm kind of mysterious on whether I liked it or not. Uh, what, what do you guys think? I don't think you liked it. I think you can't um, stop thinking about Jennifer Lawrence's tits through, no. through her shirt. Through her shirt. Oh yeah, those. <laughs> were great. Uh, so anyway. Um, Let's see. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that's kind of it for Mother. We'll have to wait to see. I know that there are uh, films coming out, which I believe we're going to do need to do all three predictions for the next three films. Uh, because the next time we do a regular show where we do box office brawl uh, will not be until, um, I believe, like mid-October. Most likely. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm pretty sure we need to do Flatliners, Friend Request... Uh, and Happy Death Day. <laughs> Jeremy, give it up. Happy Death Day too. Yeah, why? What do you mean? Holy fucking moly! Jesus. And so that you, comes out on the make, make, make sure you have the uh, the estimated theaters. Yeah, because that right, really so does factor into. Are we doing Happy. Are we doing Friend Request first? That's the next one up, right? Sure. Yeah. All okay, right. so Friend Request is opening up. In three thousand theaters, three thousand. That's God, a good number. Damn, really? This is a similar looking film as, let's say, The Den, Unfriended. Is it PG thirteen? No, it is R. R? Yeah, but really? I heard it's I did, a pretty I, good R. I did hear really? it was R. Yeah, that surprises. I would. You would totally think they would go for the teen market with that. Wide one. release on a fucking film. Oh, that's awesome. That's rated R. So, nice. friend request. What do I think it's going to do? Hmm. I'm going to come in at 12 million. Okay, so what's it playing? Like, what's up at the, What's it playing against? It's up against Kingsman 2, which is definitely going to win the weekend for sure. Yeah. And, um, is this the new the new uh lego movie the ninja lego movie oh fuck. so we're, we're catering to like three different fucking markets here um yeah. not really a problem um what the fuck 12 million what the fuck what, what are you throwing your spray paint cans around there fucking pens don't work man this is like the sixth pen i've grabbed <laughs> he literally threw something <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he was throwing spray paint cans. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, wow, 3,000 theaters, man, opening up against really nothing that should affect it. And you said 12 million? Yeah. Oh, man, this is a tough one. I re- Man, it can go either way, in my opinion, man. 12 is such a good guess. You're, a, you're an asshole for that one because going too low might be too low. I'm going to say, I guess, 
I guess I go next, right? Because JP probably gets bids because he won the last one. Is that how it works? We don't really have yeah, a rhythm to this. we should do that. We, we should do that. Yeah, that's how we'll do it. Whoever whoever does best will go last. I just feel like the last person always has the, obviously a, the advantage because you can just under yes. or over, right? So yes, um, based on our shitty guesses uh i'm gonna say 15 it still has to be closest though exactly but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say about 15 i'm gonna give it a little bit of credit here so i'm taking into account it is still out there people are still gonna be seeing it um i think that um if it was pg-13 i might actually give it some more some more credibility in terms of its pulling power uh, I'm gonna say that it that it does similarly to what another film that came out that was PG uh, that had a similar release, and that that film was Wish Upon. Wish Upon, which I think only did like what, like six or seven million? Eight million. All right, so I don't necessarily need to go way below you guys. So I'm just gonna go at a flat ten ten point five million. Oof. I think it's going to do less than than you guys are saying. Okay. Okay. So we'll find out about that. And next up, we have Flatliners and Till Death Do Us Part. Oh wait. All right. No. Well, Death Do Us Part, I believe, is uh, limited. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is it limited? That's another movie. Flatliners has got to be what three thousand plus on that one. It's got to be. Yeah, yeah, it's Sony, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not going first on this one. Yeah, okay, um, that's fair. Uh, I'll go. F- I'll go first on this one, and then, um, then, then Moods can go first on the last one. <clears throat> uh, all right. So Flatliners, uh, we don't know the official theater listings yet, but I assume it's going to be a pretty wide release. Um, it is, from what I understand, actually a sequel and not a remake. Um, just one of those weird films that has the same title, um, like Town to Dreaded Sundown. Damn. Uh, I guess Kiefer Sutherland reprises a role that he Yeah, I heard that too. Um, I've actually not seen the original film. Hmm. Uh, so I will do that before I go see this because I'm going to go see Flatliners. Um, basically, uh, I had, which I didn't do my movie pass review, so I'd need to do that too. Uh, but, um, so I don't know, man, Th- this is a very weird one to me because it is sci-fi, not really horror, I don't think, but it kind of is about death and stuff. So it kind of automatically gets lumped into horror a little bit. Um, I don't know what to compare it to. I really don't. I really don't. What's it going up against? Um, uh, death to uh, us part youth American made bunch of movies that i don't know american made american made looks good i kind of want to see that a little bit uh tommy cruise i assume that's the true story i was thinking of that Um, that was the true story i was thinking of it's the it's the f uh i don't know last week or whatever i was like i asked if some film was about a true story or based on a true story and i was i was thinking that one right there because that's the fbi drug one yeah, yeah, yeah. The it, Jeremy, do you know who's in this film? Is there any stars or anything? Uh, Ellen Page is probably the biggest star. And what was she in? Juno. Okay. And uh, a whole bunch of Juno and Super and Inception and 
pretty much it. Uh, I feel like it will be completely died down by then. That's a lot of weeks away. Um, I'm trying to figure out. Is that is? Wait, is that a, is that a holiday? Do you know? Uh, September 29th, negative. There's only yeah. one holiday in September. Okay. Labor Day. <clears throat> All right. Um, shit, man. This is this is a tough one for me because I really, I really do not know at all what a film like this is capable of making like it feels like a bigger release to me i know i've seen the trailer a bunch of times on films that i were going was going to see um i did make the comparison that i thought that mother might have a good chance because so many people saw the trailer during it uh i don't think that it's gonna matter by this point with um you know uh I, I read that the original film earned over $61 million, um, apparently. So I don't think that matters. It's such a long time ago. Uh, hmm. I'm going to say... Fuck, man. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to say $15 million. 15? Fuck. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to come in at about it nine... Be Jeremy... Well, go ahead. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, it is Jeremy. That's right. Okay. Because you would you would want a chance to go last, right? So let let Jeremy go. Yeah. Twenty million. All right. Wow. Okay, you guys were completely on a different ball field than me. Um, I was gonna say roughly about nine million. On this one, no. I think no. I I don't think it's going to do well. I really don't. I just think that it's it's it more like it's not a horror film, so it crosses over into that mainstream audience world of like superhero movies and comedies and stuff like that. And I feel like I feel like those type of films usually get a bump from like just general audiences going to see movies. Yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, we're all about five six million apart, so. All good. Do you want to do uh, Blade Runner or no? Nah. Alright. The next one would be... Ugh. Happy Death Day. Blade Happy Runner Death looks Day. so bad. Ugh. Nah, we'll see. I thought it looked pretty fucking awful, honestly. <laughs> I thought it did too. Just like a movie I'm completely uninterested in. Alright, so uh, the last one, October 13th release date. We do not know the, the theater... Um, release schedule I, I will put this out there if you guys want to uh potentially uh erase or not take the challenge because of of what comes out with the amount of theaters that it's released into that is fair um but you cannot change uh your number once it's locked in so uh moods what do you got for happy death day aren't i going last on this one? Oh no i just did nope um <laughs> sorry. yeah that just threw me off uh, not having the fucking theater total is is very complicated it will be a ride release i think it'll be at least two thousand i mean no, I would at least three thousand it's universal 3, bro. yeah it's universal. but i mean are they gonna push it that okay it, well i mean assuming... i've seen more trailers for that than i have friend requests it's it's fucking blumhouse it'll yeah do i okay. mean I, 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 we'll see um i was thinking of this one i'm I'm gonna probably come in about mid level to my, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say about sixteen million on this one. Right. Not too bad, not too high. I think it's gonna do all right though. 
16. <clears throat> I'm going to come in at 22. Damn. All right. Well, you actually had an opportunity to go last, but you chose to not do it. Um, 22. <laughs> so 22 for Jeremy. I think my thought process behind this is I actually do think that I, I remember the trailer playing on YouTube for a while. Um, I think that it. I think that the marketing for this film it was pretty solid. What are you laughing at? You're getting all laggy. It's <laughs> all robotic. Uh, it, was, it wasn't bad though. It wasn't bad. Uh, okay. Um, I I said that I thought that I, I remember the trailer playing on YouTube a lot for ads. Um, I think that it. It's a film that I think that young people would actually be interested in. This one. It's like kind of has that slasher thing going, but um, you know, it has fucking. You hear in the club a million times by Fifty Sam. Think that like people still care about that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, I hate that song. <laughs> what are you thinking? What are you thinking? I'm thinking. I'm gonna go 19 million. Okay, interesting. So I, in between like, you and Jeremy, I thought I was overshooting it. <laughs> You guys came both came in higher. So yeah, you actually kind of shocked me on that one. Um interesting. Okay. That is box office brawl. Yeah. So so there's a lot of points up for grabs like 3 against each, you know, each person. Um so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You I could uh I could potentially be Eight to two against Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Moving along here. You know, since we we kind of discussed that we did have a knowledge segment, I think that maybe, JP, do you want to do your review in the knowledge segment? Considering it technically is kind of knowledge for this. Having a dead mail. No, dead mail's last. God damn it. Telling that every week. Uh, so yeah, um, la- last time on the show, I mentioned that uh, I subscribed to Movie Pass and I was waiting to to use it. Uh, Movie Pass, just a really quick recap, is a service that is uh, a subscription service, basically where you subscribe to uh, Movie Pass and you basically are uh, allotted to see, I believe, up to thirty to thirty one films uh, in the theater. Uh, for a one month one monthly fee, which is uh, $9.99, I believe. Uh, it was created by one of the co-founders of Netflix, uh, who went on to to launch MoviePass a couple of years ago, I believe back in 2013 or so. And uh, it used to cost $50 a month to see unlimited movies, essentially one a day. Um, which still, if you go to the movies a lot, was still a, a fairly decent deal. Um, but not I don't go nearly enough to make it worth it now however at the $10 a month I go plenty enough like just for an example I did use movie pass and it cost $12 to see this movie and I paid $10 for my monthly movie pass so I already have saved $2 just in seeing the first movie um, so that's cool and if I see one more this month I automatically have saved $14 or something like that. Um, so if I see one more in the next 30 days, um, I'm saving money. Uh, basically, 
it's a problematic service in terms of the bottom can fall out of it. If they do not have enough money to keep doing this, because they they have to be losing money in this situation uh, until they figure out a way to monetize it, which I assume they know a way, or else they would never have done this. Uh, they just probably have to get a certain amount of subscribers to make it work. Um, so I'm sure we'll see other things going forward on how that is monetized uh but right now as it stands here's how you sign up you sign up they uh send basically if you are near theaters that have e-ticketing which i am near none of them and you assume e-ticketing means you can buy tickets online that is not what it is it's something else i i don't know the full details of it um but like for example you can buy amc tickets online that is not e-ticketing um, so basically, uh, unless you're by e-ticketing theaters, you cannot use the movie pass until you receive your plastic debit card in the mail. It looks like a regular credit card says movie pass on it. Now, the good thing is they actually did not charge me at all while I signed up. So normally when you sign up for a subscription service, they charge you right away. This, they do not charge you until you make your first swipe of the card. So that's the first time they charge you, and then they will charge you on that day every month. So I used it on the 15th, so every 15th of the month, I'll get charged $10 is how it's explained to me. That's how I understand it from other people using it. Um, I have heard instances where people have been charged right away, but from what I understood, uh, it's more of like an authorization, like pending charge, and it and it will go away once you actually do the... the uh, full charge and then it will start from there it's like a more of a hold essentially um it is a little frustrating because they are backed up from what i understand they went from fifty thousand subscribers to 150,000 subscribers in one day um which is a lot so these plastic cards are being manufactured and sent out through the mail uh they got behind so people signed up i didn't get my card for like I think 10 or 14 days after I signed up for it. Um, but I eventually did get my card. Uh, the, the one drawback to this is you cannot buy your tickets in advance. So if I want to go, if I would have wanted to see it the night that I seen it opening night, Thursday night, um, it would have been a little bit difficult to actually get a, a solid seat in the theater because you actually, how it works is you download the app on your phone your uh location gps thing must be on uh and then you look at the list of theaters that accept movie pass it's all on the app um which is pretty much all the amcs and you know there's there's about five or six theaters in my vicinity that accept it so that's pretty good um and basically you go to the movie theater on the app you click the theater you click the show time that you want to go to for example we went to the 4 p.m showing of mother so i clicked mother uh i clicked or i clicked the theater that i was going to which was the luxury theater uh and then i clicked mother and then i clicked the time which was 4 p.m and then there's a little red box that says check in you click check in you must be within 100 yards of the theater and then you have up to i believe 30 minutes to actually swipe the card so what it does is it basically when you push that button it activates the card for you to be able to swipe it and basically you swipe the card it was so goddamn simple no issue at all it worked perfectly no 
uh, hiccups or, or, or bugs. I literally went to the theater, check in, went to the kiosk, gave them my card. They slid it, printed me out a ticket, and I was good to go. I was completely surprised that it was going to be that simple i thought that it was not going to work i i did i thought that it was going to be a little like buggy or something like that or, or the check-in thing wouldn't work it worked perfectly 100 percent fine i thought it was i was actually blown away with how smooth it went um and honestly if you're going opening night like thursday night the first night the, or like friday night where it's going to be like a huge movie and it's sold out it's going to do big numbers it's probably not the most efficient way to see see a movie with this app because you have to be at the theater to actually get the ticket you can't buy it in advance now that's not saying that you can't go to the theater early in the day and and check in and i'm, I'm not sure if that works it probably does um and then get the ticket and then come back later or whatever um, but I will say that this, like, if if this is a fantastic service, if you go to see movies, like it really is. Like to me, it's it's insanely affordable. Essentially, you buy one movie, get to see thirty free. Essentially, it can be that. And um, if you want to see that many movies, um, I don't want to see that many movies. But I honestly, I started thinking about it, dude. Like I spent, like if I go see. Um, What's the next movie that comes out? Uh, Friend request next week, and I go there and I swipe my movie pass card and I didn't pay anything to see the movie. I might actually buy some popcorn and a drink, which I never do because it's goddamn ten dollars. You know what I mean? But if I if I didn't spend anything on the movie, then why not? You know what I mean? Like I'm enjoying myself. Um, I think that people are worried about like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to get a seat. I'm not gonna be able to get a seat. Listen. I got there 10 minutes before Mother shown, and I got the exact seat I wanted. Um, yeah, Mother didn't do great at the box office, but I feel like a lot of the times, my theaters are never packed, dude. Like, I always get good seats, like, even if I get there, like, kind of late. The only time you're going to have trouble is if you're going on opening night, like, on a huge movie like It, which, honestly, we know that that doesn't happen often. You're not going to get a huge movie like It. Um, maybe if it's, like, an Avengers or something like that, yeah, you might have trouble. But I say use this thing on, like, a Saturday at, like, 3 p.m. or something like you know what i mean or like uh i, I like i'm gonna go to the movies all the time now i might see shit that i don't even want to see simply because i'm paying okay. 10 bucks a month now you're pushing it <laughs> no no seriously like, all of a sudden he's go gonna see, go like, see the fucking new blade runner like, no, film he's gonna be like why no, no, no. i had the past i would maybe do that <laughs> actually i maybe would do that but like here, here's an example right like i'm not gonna pay to go see star wars i'll wait for it to hit blu-ray but if i have movie pass I'm going to go see Star Wars. I'm not going to go pay to see All Eyes on Me. I'm going to wait till it hits Redbox. But if I have Movie Pass, I'm going to go see All Eyes on Me because I'm interested in that movie. But it's not something that I want to pay to see. With Movie Pass, you don't got to pay. You pay 10 bucks a month, you go in there, and you got your goddamn seat and you and you watch the movie and it feels great it feels great to not pay to go see a movie man like that shit is expensive nowadays and i think that this service is amazing like if it continues to work it could change the industry we could see people going to the theater very often again and you know basically maybe too we know much and you won't get those good seats anymore I mean, it's possible, pass. but I think that that would be a price to pay. Honestly, like I, th I feel like that's <laughs> oh, a fair price, price uh, for packed out movies. Uh, I would, I would rather have a 
you know, not best seat. Like, let's face it. Like, there's no seat in a theater that actually is atrocious and is you can't watch a movie there. Like, you can sit anywhere and and watch the movie. Um, but I can't in the front I, row, man. I'd die. Me I would either. Die up there. I man. sit in the back middle every time. Me too, yeah, man. I That's sit the, the, back the, middle every time too. But I'm saying I could sit in the front. Honestly, I'm not a pussy uh, like you guys. But oh, um, go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, I got, I got sensitive eyes, man. My baby blues are fucked. They hurt, man. I can't do it. Uh, I can't do it. Anyway, uh, to wrap oh, this shit. up, man, I think that Movie Pass is great. I I don't see why Jeremy hasn't signed up for it yet, considering he goes to the movies more than, than me. Um, and I'm already saving money, homie. Already saving money. And uh, you are a Jew, and you are a self-proclaimed <laughs> stereotypical Jew. Um, so you like to save money. Am I wrong here, homie? Do you like to save money? Sure, yeah. Okay. Give me those pennies. Okay, man. So pennies, bro. I Come on. In I have a question. Last week, so I need all the money I could get. Okay. Yeah, you just <laughs> bought a new phone. You just bought a new phone. Like, don't you want to save some money in the movie? In, in in when you go to see movies. Yeah. Yeah. Try it out, man. Okay. I, 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 listen, Dave Z was very like asked about it and he was like oh man like i'm not doing this like because i can't get a seat in there i'm like, and i'm like dude you're that's crazy that your theater is that packed because like mine like is never that packed um but dude try it out i think that it's worth it the only problem is if you're taking family and stuff you, it doesn't work for multiple people obviously like it's only going to work for one person still it's going to save you money though so uh i think it's worth it i really truly do i'm so very happy. it works for jeepers creepers i have a question did you happen to look into if it was available in Canada or were you just being really self-centered and worrying about yourself with this one? I'm pretty sure that it's not, but I would have to double check that. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I really doubt it is. I, I can't see them ever doing something that good here. So, <laughs> so I, Jeepers no. Creepers is next Tuesday already. Fuck! Are you but, going to see it? But it would be nice. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would pay the 10 bucks a month. It's not around here, To, like, so. not even go to a film every month because, I mean, I'm, there, I'm sure there's a time where I'm, I'm probably still going to save fucking money. <laughs> you know, so the prices that we pay, so. Um, it's actually, like, pretty much almost sold out, so it's going to do well, I think. Yeah? Yeah. People are supporting. Yo, yo be careful, man. That shit might get blown up or something, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. I ain't even joking, dude. <laughs> There's a lot of crazy motherfuckers who are really upset about this movie. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. All right. So that's what moods. Just really quickly, what's your zip code? Uh, V two. <laughs> My zip code. There's just one near. Not not yours, but just give me a zip code in Canada. Well, no, they're everything's different. Um, just V two N. V two N. V two N. What the fuck is that? That's the zip code, bro. That's the three. That's the first number. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, uh, I don't think this is in Canada. Pro- probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Just saying, bro. <laughs> Figures, but anyways, that was uh, yeah. That, that's that's interesting. Well, it's good that that's just working, you know, without hiccups. And yeah, stuff. That, that's good, man. You know, I'm I'm a ride it till the wheels fall off, homie. I'm gonna use the fuck out of it because I'm not sure it's gonna be around forever. But exactly, man. You uh, might it feels it pretty good, it. man feels pretty good sweet sweet all right so that is uh, knowledge getting into uh some fucking dead mail let's do some dead mail dead mail so if you remember from last week's edition of dead mail we were talking about a list of the top 13 horror films from the 1990s 
and I said last week that I would come back and redo that list. So here is the list according to Fangoria from issue number 200 of, and this is from um, March 2001. This is issue 200, you said? Yep. This is their opinion of the top 13 horror films of the 90s. Of the 90s or 1990? Of the 90s. Oh, the entire 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's okay. uh, pretty much one from every year almost. Um, the Reflecting Skin, Candyman, Chronos, Cemetery Man, yes. Crow, Prophecy, no. Seven, Scream, Habit, See the Sea, Gods and Monsters, The Blair Witch Project, and Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> oh, so they pretty much did them in actual year order there too, didn't they? Yep, yep. So there's Reflective. a couple solid choices on there. Uh, Cemetery Man, great choice. Candyman, great choice. Scream, great choice. I think those were the only three that I would actually have in my top ten. You wouldn't have Blair Witch? Oh, oh, oh. Excuse me. That would be my number one, of course. <laughs> well, I agree. I 100% agree with Re- Reflecting Skin because that movie yeah, is fucking too. awesome. Yeah. And definitely probably the best film of 90. I mean, 90 has some good films, but... Uh, what was the God Mon- Gods and Monsters? So they considered Seven to be a horror film. Yeah, I, I do. So. Do you not? I always thought of it as a, like a like a thrill, oh come like a crime on thriller. It's, it's about murder and fucking saw traps. N- well, it's no, it's it's about the seven deadly sins, um, in a kind of serial killing type way. I don't know. I, I guess it's, it's it is a hundred percent horror. Man, I cannot believe how much this conversation has been brought up recently with films. Deliverance, fucking now seven. I think that was actually a question, though. I think that was brought up before too. But it's amazing how many films people are questioning if they're horror or not. Did you, did you see someone on the Facebook group today? Is Do you not Pee-wee's Big Adventure a horror film? <laughs> you know, I see that's a good question because I actually do. But for some odd reason, seven I, definitely I know I, you would think because it, it's very much the same thing. Is Zodiac a horror film? I just never thought of it as no. a, a bonafide horror film. I, I, Zodiac, not really. No, it's more of a it's more of a crime. That movie's awesome, though. It's, it's a crime thriller. It's essentially what it is. What about Fight Club? No, no way. No, no. <laughs> Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Somebody asked if Pee Wee's Big Adventure was today. <laughs> All I, can do I know laugh. why they're doing that. It's because of the big large march or whatever. Large march. Whatever the fucking name is. I don't oh care. fuck you! You there's should watch one, it. There's one. There's one dark scene in the film, and people are like, "Oh, movie's the horror well, film." It's like no, 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 no. no. I think they're. No, I think they're two. trying to say like, like my argument is like, is it like it's horrific? And they're like, "Well, this is horrific," but. That's not the case because that's not the main intent of the film. It's no, a, getting it's your butt stolen scene. is horrific, though. Come on, guys. Let's face it. Pee-wee's Big Adventure horror film. <laughs> no. No. Was Sleepy Hollow number uh, for 1999 on there? Yeah. I've never seen that. You know, honestly, man, 99 is actually quite a bad year. Um, I would have to go back and see, but I... Blair Witch, homie. I honestly... I'm not really a big fan of Sleepy Hollow, to be honest, but... But Blair Witch would take that hands down. That's why I'm hoping we get another 90s year for uh, the top 10 shows didn't, that we do. Didn't fucking Ravenous come out in 99? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if Ravenous came out in 99, then that one's definitely topping fucking Sleepy Hollow. Not, that's for not sure. Blair Witch. No, but like definitely Sleepy Wait, Hollow. Wait, was Blair Witch 99 or 98? 99. 99. 99. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's an interesting list. So, let's dig into the fan mail now and this one comes from 
issue number 226 from September 2003 with the cover of Jeepers Creepers 2. <laughs> and on the cover we have um, First News, Rob Zombie on House of a Thousand Corpses 2. Very interesting. Mm. Right on the cover, House of a Thousand Corpses 2. Um, Underworld, the first Underworld film. Um, Freddy First Jason, Cabin Fever, Hubba Hotep, and House of the Dead. So, some interesting things. I found that House of Bubba a Thousand Hotep. Corpses 2. Very interesting. Interesting. So, this one comes from David Andreas from New York. And he says... The most stunning aspect of 28 Days Later wasn't the grit, the tension, or the substantial homage to George Romero's Dead Trilogy, but the fact that I saw it in a crowded theater. Such opportunities don't come often. Some truly great movies of late, Cherry Falls, Ginger Snaps, and Dog Soldiers, went directly to TV or video when they could have garnered the same success as Danny Boyle's horror epic. Let this be a lesson to distributors everywhere. You don't have to spend tens of millions of dollars on marketing through Happy Mills and billboards to catch the attention of real moviegoers looking for good, smart pictures. 28 Days Later humiliated the Hollywood system in some fierce competition. Others could certainly follow. That's what he said. The problem is is that everybody's not a real moviegoer, and the only reason why people go to see movies like Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later is because they saw it on a marketing campaign. We, as real fans, recognize the real... And we're the ones that are going to seek out the movies like Dog Soldier and etc. Those other good ones like Cherry Falls and whatever the other one. It, that it's was really there. funny because like it's true. It, it's simply it's, fucking true. No, I'm not even talking about that. I'm saying no. like it's really funny because like it, it's weird. Like 2002 keeps like re re like appearing in my life. Like like House of the or uh, fuck sorry. Um, 28 days later, Ginger Snaps and. Uh, Ginger Snaps wasn't 2002, but Dog Soldiers was. Um, but, like, it's funny. Like, I, I keep – like, this era is, like, stuck with me now. Like, 2002, 96, like, 86. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, I feel like an expert on those years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. All right. This one comes from Michael Thomas Rowe, and he writes, I saw 28 Days Later last night, and boy, do I feel compelled to write. Mr. Tipone, did we see the same movie? I can't recall another film that was so disappointing and appallingly derivative. Derivative. We derogative. Derivative. We zombie fans do not mind the occasional wink and nod, or even nudge to Romero's Dead trilogy, but to reuse his plot points so garnerly is beyond comprehension. Was there anything Danny Boyle did not live from Romero? I'll list what immediately comes to mind: the media critique the logical escape to the country the shopping spree and temporary freedom of the characters the suspenseful refueling complete with shop and murderous children the army installation with its military wrong mindfulness (laughs) and philosophical implications to bunker not to bunker and the ending there was even a test subject like bub on a neck chain for crying out loud to make matters worse, Boyle didn't stop with Romero. He had to throw in a stand Lincoln tile ripoff and Apocalypse Now sequence about who is the real savage. And the zombies? What zombies? I only saw a handful, to be honest. Certainly not an amount that would bring about the end of the world and what little there were. I couldn't see much of all with all the cra- crappy, crazy, choppy editing. Come on. And I won't even go blurry? into the... 
into the new <laughs> new age vocal music premeditating the soundtrack permeating oh, the soundtrack fuck you guy i don't want like this guy well, on okay. the plus side <laughs> oh. on the plus side the deserted london street scenes were cool considering the logistics that must have gone into their filming and it was a good remuneration on the people killing people angle but that's just as the we are them theory that the characters in the dead trilogy ultimately conclude so again nothing new here just a blatant ripoff you know come to think of it the beach wasn't all that good and 28 days later is actually worse mr boyle needs to do some fine tuning to say the least and perhaps go back and take another look at nicholas rogue's collection what a bummer Dude, okay, first of all, why is he comparing a zombie film to an infected film? Exactly my point. There's no zombies in 28 Days Later. They're in fe- no, it's exactly my film. point, which proves my point again that they're fucking zombies because to the no. naked eye, no. they're fucking zombies. No. But those, this guy's dumb because he's saying shit that is people. like stupid to me. Like the one comparison that made sense is the military aspect. Yes, we've seen that in Day of the Dead. But like some of the other stuff he's saying is like completely dumb yeah but like, a lot oh, of the stuff he's saying oh, is actually completely oh. true though i mean a lot of the the sequences in the film are they're they're deriving from the romero films let's face it man i mean the consumption you know the free grocery shop in the fucking uh the military you know there is a lot of things that he mentioned there i think that if are, i never seen if i never fucking seen dawn of the dead ever I don't think that that would be that crazy to write that people would go get supplies what in are the a chance? Okay, situation. Okay, put, put this hypothetical situation out there that you are you're a you're a fan and you go to the theater to see 28 days later and without ever seeing Dawn of the Dead a day of the dead how many fucking people were sitting in that theater in the world that had never seen those two films probably Me? not a whole lot me? Dawn of the Dead in Day of the Dead. You would never. I had before. not seen them at that time. Into I didn't the- see Day of the Dead until about I would probably say like 2006, and I hadn't seen Dawn of the, Dawn of the Dead until 2010. Damn, you hadn't seen the original Dawn of the Dead until after the remake had come out. Oh yeah, I seen the remake way before the original. Okay. So maybe you're an exception to the rule here, <laughs> what I'm getting at here. But I'm just saying the majority of people I'm just most saying likely that, like, saw that film and, and listen, probably recognized those coincidences. Going shopping no. in a <clears throat> horror movie during a post-apocalyptic situation is not a ripoff. No, no, no. It no, is no, no. just <clears throat> No, if, if you take one isolated scene, it is not a ripoff. But if you put many, many scenes together... It becomes not problematic, but it becomes more or less borrowed material when you're doing it over and over. Like, I mean, there's, there's it feels there's a completely lot of, different than those movies. No, no, no. It's not about the feel. It's it's more about the individual scenes and the ideas presented within the film. I mean, the military, the shopping. I mean, the military is sub- definitely that. Yes, yeah, the military so, is the I'm most. Just saying, I mean, if you if you had if you had twenty days, but later, they shop in fucking Phantasm too. Well, of course, of course. Um, but I mean, it's in the context of you being or it being a zombie film, which I don't think it's a zombie film. It's an infection. It's so it's relatable to the Romero films, right? So that's. Phantasm 2 is arguably a zombie film. Arguably, but I mean, you know, I mean, it's a little bit different. I mean, that's, that's up for, you know, some highly elevated debate right there. But 
you, you get what I'm saying, though, right? I, mean, I just don't scene... think you're taking anything creative. Like the military thing, yes, creative. It's a thought process. Going shopping in a post-apocalyptic film or going north or into the countryside is not a creative choice that t- that takes thinking. It's logic. It's something that I think is not that. Well, you could also argue the fact that he could have taken that creative logic and done something else with the film, too. <laughs> he did. Right? He did. He did all kind of shit, man. Like, for example, the the. I'm not saying fucking... it's a bad film. I'm not saying it's a bad film. I'm just saying there is a lot of what we call coincidences. He took he took he took zombies and he turned them into infected. That alone is creative liberty. Where it's are you admitting that they're infected people? Are you admitting they're infected people? I've always admitted they are infected people. I always said it's a zombie film. Um, two different things. So infect, <laughs> it's instantaneous. It's the the, yeah. the drop of blood falls in the eye. You're instantly as an infected person. Infected. So like that is creative liberties that separates it enough from George Romero's uh, zombie films that, that well, the I, core I of honestly the story. don't think they're. I, I honestly think, don't think that they're much – every zombie movie, every good zombie movie – look at The Dead. It's it, The Dead is a good zombie film. It's very much like George Romero's zombies films because it's very much like zombie films, good ones. Just like The Battery, very much like George Romero's zombie films because that is the, the, the blueprint for a good zombie film. When you take a film like The Dead, I think what really separates The Dead is its setting. I mean there's nothing within The Dead that hasn't been done before. It's not overly original by any means. It's the setting that sets it apart from every other zombie yeah, slash like infection. So and and that's what it is. Yeah. I agree. Like I agree. The, the, I, I had like no problems the with London the London setting was amazing. Of course. Like, and of course. Especially like that church scene. I don't know. And to bag on the music, I think, is insane. It's like one of my favorite themes. I will give Danny Boyle credit, man, because, I mean, if they made 28 Days Later – well, I mean, let's put it this way. If they made 28 Days Later – and they wanted to do that scene where, you know, um, I can't remember the lead character's name. But anyways, he comes out in the st- into the London streets and they're vacant. Nowadays, you would have a hard time actually doing that, you know, without CG in the whole scene. I give him kudos for actually accomplishing that. It's amazing what they actually if went anybody to wants that. It's insane that they 28, that. If anybody wants a 28 months later, just let us cover the first two films on the podcast. Oh, it seems to be a thing. It's definitely a thing. <laughs> We're Which the we actually ever. had penciled in for a while as an episode, but we it got lost in the shuffle. Yes. Yes. You got more, Jeremy? Yeah. So the next one comes from, what's this guy name? Don Shreves. And he writes, I was lucky enough to catch a showing of Beyond Reanimator at the Philadelphia Film Festival, and this movie rocks. It is what any fan would expect of a reanimator film, gory and full of mayhem and great humor. Jeffrey Combs was brilliant and seemed to fall back into the character of Herbert Herbert Watts seamlessly. I can't wait for a fourth movie. If you get a chance to see Beyond Reanimator on the big screen, do so. It's worth the trip. <clears throat> huh? And that guy is still waiting on that fourth movie. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there, it wasn't a rumblings of a remake of Reanimator? A little while um, ago too, so actually, yeah, that, that's that's actually happening still. Uh, I believe um, this, ne- this next one's good. But uh, there was for the longest time a uh, planned House of Reanimator that yeah. never happened. That sucks. That sucks. All good right, stuff. so this is pretty funny. This goes out to um, 
let's just say Fangoria stole our fucking idea. Um, <laughs> I was shocked to read that Boris Karloff, one of the greatest horror icons of all time, is not in the Fangoria's Hall of Fame. How come? I hope this is an oversight, and I would propose that he'd be retractively inducted. Come on, the guy... Yeah. Hmm. Thanks, JP. Come on, the guy not only has over 150 film credits, but he's starring Frankenstein and the Mummy, two of the supreme horror movies of all time. Even if he has never made a, made those or Bride of Frankenstein, he surely would still warrant being in anybody's horror hall of fame. Don't forget, he also starred in The Black Cat, The Old Dark House, The Invisible Ray, Mad Monster Party, The Terror, and two different versions of The Raven. Not to mention the TV show Thriller. Please find a way to add Karloff to the Hall of Fame. Otherwise, I will have to put Fango in my personal Hall of Shame. Ooh. What about Black Sabbath? You know, he presented that. He was in a Mario Bava film. Come on. And um, just so everybody knows, Fangoria Magazine is currently looking for fall interns. This is a terrific opportunity for college journalism or English majors with an interest in the horror genre to gain experience and possible class credit. Yeah. Yeah. Man, th- I mean that that is a little bit ridiculous. How Boris Karloff wasn't in their <clears throat> their actor Hall of Fame. I mean, mm-hmm. even with but a we name, also like, don't know how many. Like he, to me, Boris Karloff is not a first round ballad. To me, dude, with a fucking name like Boris Karloff, how could you not even without even knowing the dude that name <clears throat> that name kicks ass. <laughs> it just fucking kicks ass. It just screams horror, you know. So, so like awesome. that brings my question like first round ballots like the very first people inducted do you go by importance if you go by importance is boris karloff a first rounder well the way i'm doing it i'm just going by names boris karloff hard no 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 i'm asking the question oh would would to you would he be a first rounder if let's say you only induct five people um in the first round um, he man, it, he's definitely battling up there. I mean, there's the obvious choice of you. What about five, Vincent Price well, over Boris Karloff? Vincent Price, I think, would be my number one choice. If I was just creating a hall of fame for actors, I think Vincent Price uh, and Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, would probably be like three of my top choices. To be honest, First, right. yeah, yeah, I'm not opposed to those. Honestly, honestly, guys, I want to do it, man. We should have a Hall of Fame show. Sidekick. <laughs> Fuck you! Carlos <laughs> does not deserve to smell my shit. That limey cocksucker can rot in hell for all I care. <laughs> Whatever. How dare that asshole bring up Carlos? <laughs> what fu- is that? That's a fucking first round draft pick right there. <laughs> What, what, what is that? It's Ed Wood, bro. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. One of my second favorite film ever. I so, I, so, so I, it, listeners, if you guys would want a show like this, right, where we pick, let's say, four people a year and induct them into a Hall of Fame, uh, you know, not not movie related, but contributor related. Not not. We obviously have our Hall of Fame for films in general, just films. But like contributor, meaning directors, actors, writers, stuff like that. Um, and we did, let's say, f- anywhere from like four to eight a year. Um, would you guys want to see that? It would basically, in my head, it would be uh, a discussion, a celebration of these people. Um, and then we would place them into the, the, the hall, of, hall of Fame. Um, for example, if we would take Vincent Price, 
We talk a little bit about his filmography, a little bit, a bit about what made him special, uh, you know, and then we would induct him. And, and I think I've wanted to do it since our first season of the show, really. But we just never talked about it enough to actually make it a uh, an actual show. But I think there's a lot of debate to be had there on, like, who deserves to go in, who's, who's, who's uh, first up. And I do think being dead... Uh, makes you have a better case of going in first because somebody who's not dead possibly still has more to show um even if it's unlikely like who would have thought john carpenter would have been adding to his resume at this point um but i think that when they're dead it has a more um it's a closed case right you know what they did so it, it, it's i think more also looking they go first. you know kind of the start of the world of horror too you know you go back to the 20s and stuff like take like long chaney and, and guys like that i think it's just appropriate to kind of consider the early people you know within the genre so it, it is hence it being is. dead hence being dead because i mean most likely if you're born in the 20s you're probably not here anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> my so, condolences <laughs> uh yeah and you're correct um so if we were to start maybe we would start with um, early people, big names, uh, Bay Lugosi, Boris Karloff, people like that, Lon Chaney, uh, and which were all maybe born in the then, 1800s. I didn't mean to say maybe you were born. then circle back and get other people that were important from that era and things like that. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, if I I'm down, I don't know if you two are, but I think that maybe January, maybe the the first of the year, uh, first month of the year, every year, I'd do one of those. I think it'd be kind of fun um, to do. I think it would be cool too. And if the listeners want to hear it, I th- and and it's just something different. Like we talked about wanting to do different type of shows instead of the standard format where we review movies. Um, and I think that that would be a cool little thing to do. And honestly, who doesn't? I'm I'm in a happy mood lately. I want to celebrate horror and celebrate films and and especially people who were very important in the genre. Uh, I think you know obviously deserve tons of respect. And and why not dedicate a show to them? Why yeah. not? Why not? All right. So these are the films that were coming out in September 2003. Uh, we have The Experiment from Columbia TriStar, which looks like a German film. Um, Vampire Hunters. Uh, Descendant. Ice Crawlers. Yes. And, and Ghost Rig. Ghost Rig. Oh, my God. Dude, there were shitty movies coming out in 2003. Actually, the experiment, to be honest, was actually kind of good. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't bad. So those were all the movies coming out on VHS. And now let's look at to what was coming out on DVD. All right. We have uh, May, which I know Great. you guys like. Um, Manhunter. Boo. Uh, Doctor of Doom, Wrestling Woman vs. the Aztec Mummy. <laughs> Oh, that's the best movie of 2003. <laughs> what in the um, fuck? Was Wild Eye released in films back then? <laughs> uh, and this is something weird video. I don't have that title. Oh, okay, title. that makes sense. It was something uh, weird. Oh, there you go. Spider, uh, Midnight Mass, Delta Delta Die, uh, The Howling, uh, and Mute Witness. Mute Witness, wow. Those are the films coming out. I'm going to just take a stab in the dark and say that she may have witnessed a murder. Mute Witness is actually a pretty good film. I'm actually quite surprised that it's in the horror 
releases in there. I mean, it's definitely another one of those debatable if it's a horror film or not. It plays out like a thriller kind of thing. It's not bad, though. I have it in my horror collection because I'm a horror. And on the next page, there's an ad that says, ALS is real. Hope is real. Donate now. That's so fucking weird. But they gotta make they... money. They gotta make money somehow. <laughs> gotta put some advertising <laughs> in there, I guess, right? In a horror fucking. It does seem kind of odd, though, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, th- I think you're advertising to the wrong people there. <laughs> like horror fans, yeah. are like, oh fuck, totally, man. I got fifty bucks for ALS, man. <laughs> right? like, do, do they accept PayPal in two thousand two? I don't know. I shouldn't be joking about ALS. That's not funny, but you guys. But should. on the back, we have um three films from blue underground we have cue the ring serpent god told me to and bone and it's available at suncoast video and what's the common bond there they're all directed by larry cohen available what were August. they all three films. cue the ring serpent god told me to and bone i've only seen Q, and it's kind of lame no Q, <laughs> q's fucking awesome man actually q is the film that i got signed when i met larry cohen jeremy was there but yep. I love Q, man. It's got great, great social commentary, like all his films. Bone is amazing. Bone is fucking awesome. God told me to. Rules. Cohen rules. Is that it? Is it? Okay, Q. Alrighty, so getting into WWW. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Notice how I paused and waited for that? Yeah. Yes, yeah, the what we watch portion of the show where we go round tree, go. review a bunch of random flicks. And uh, JP, you want to start us off? Yeah, yo, I'll start us off with the first film uh, that I want to talk about. I figured I would definitely just do it first because it's it's the one that probably I'll spend the most time on. Uh, and it is Mother, obviously, from 2017, uh, directed by... Andrei Aronofsky. Andrei Aronofsky, yeah. Andrei. Uh, all right, uh, yeah, I can never remember how to say his name, but um, Requiem for Dreams is like one of my favorite movies ever. So uh, I was pretty excited about this. You know, I think I think uh, you would honestly really enjoy Pie. That's a cool. Film. I don't. I don't like Pie. And Black Swan. <laughs> really? You didn't like Pie? I, I seen Pie. Yeah. Oh I don't, wow. I don't. I didn't like it. I thought you'd really enjoy that one. Oh, I thought it was cool. I mean, I hadn't seen it since shit 2003. <laughs> I thought that was so a very intriguing been, wow. film. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so um, mother man, where do I start? I will be spoiler free in this one, guys, because uh, it's it's a very 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 spoiler a- enable like it, it, you will give away everything. Spoiler with spoilers. Heavy film. Yeah, yeah. So um, basically, mother follows Jennifer Lawrence and her husband. Um, neither of them have names. I've noticed. Um, so they just, they just refer to each other as, you know, they just acknowledge each other when they're talking to each other, but they don't say names. Um, and basically, uh, they live in a house that was burned down, uh, at one point or like lit on fire and the husband lived there when he was a kid and they're remodeling it to kind of live there. He's a writer, um, but he's having writer's block. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, as far as we can tell, is just a stay-at-home wife. She's just she's working on the remodel. She's the artistic one. She's like focusing on every little minute detail. She wants everything to be perfect. You get this through early scenes of her staring at paint, two different shades of paint, just staring at it, trying to figure out which shade she wants to use. Um, 
basically um out of nowhere a man shows up at the house and uh says that you know he heard that he might be able to find a place to stay here or something and they end up like letting him stay uh it turns out that he's actually a fan of the writers so he wasn't just a passerby or whatever he was actually a fan and this was a premeditated action to kind of come to his house um and basically after that his wife shows up and then their two sons um and basically um i guess like other people start coming to the house and uh that's kind of where i'll leave it off a little bit um jennifer lawrence her character is essentially the viewer like you're really following her i'm actually I, i don't know for sure but i'm 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 not even sure if there's even a single scene without her in it um, that the viewer sh- is shown. Um, the film I didn't really understand. It was one of those cases where um, pretty much it was just like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? I'm super interested. I'm super interested. Um, but I need to know that there's an answer here. And by the end, it just gets really fucking crazy. And, um, you're kind of like what the hell and by the end of it i initially liked the movie regardless i didn't have an answer to what was going on it was very very art house like what like this movie should not be for a mainstream audience like (laughs) nobody was gonna like this and i essentially like was like okay and me and carly had talked and she actually like hated it like i was like oh dude that movie was so cool and then she was like you you can't be fucking serious right now and i was like yeah man she's like and like she's like you like shitty movies or something you couldn't know because like i like the bye bye man and she hated that one and um but i was like no no like i I like it and she's like well i think it's one of those movies that you hate where it doesn't have answers to any of the questions it's just weird for being weird and i was like maybe and if that's the case then yeah i guess i would hate it but i'm not sure if that's the case here but i really had no idea no idea no idea at all what was going on and um i had like basic theories and honestly like subconsciously i might have actually been going in the right direction but i didn't give it enough time and then i actually seen an article posted online and i read it and basically um the article really kind of opens your eyes to what's going on in the film and it actually makes sense now i think that there's definitely a message there um if you're very religious um you would kind of probably pick up on it easier and that is the that's the only thing that i'll say um Hmm. you will probably pick up on it if you're religious um and i think that there's like what it, it gets very shocking there's one very shocking scene which which i thought was done fantastically um it's a film that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you look at it from a metaphorical standpoint not a literal standpoint um it's a movie that like to me i found it very um anxiety driven like i i totally get the anxiety essentially jennifer lawrence wants these people out of her house and she's telling everybody like dude what are you doing like everybody's disrespecting the house like they're you know sitting on things that are not supposed to be sat on they're drop they're knocking things off shelves like one of the first scenes the 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 husband and wife accidentally knocked down this family heirloom or not really it's just an important sentimental um glass 
stone type of medallion type thing and um you, you just get a vibe that like these people are just very disrespectful and like so you if you've ever had a feeling where like you just like like i look at it as like okay you're a kid you're having a party at your house you invite a bunch of people the party gets way too massive and then everybody's like fucking shit up and you're just so worried your parents are gonna like you know beat your ass or something so you're like oh don't no don't do don't sit on there you know like shit like that and like it was uncomfortably anxiety like that i was having while watching it and it that's in a hundred percent designed that way like it's the feeling you're supposed to get um it's a very weird movie like i i understand why people don't like it it's like it's definitely not a movie that that is for the mainstream or even for horror fans it's not really horror besides like one major scene that that i think puts it in the category to where it's like drama thriller art house horror like it definitely has just enough to where like you almost can't even say that it's not horror in that scene like if you only seen that scene it would be a horror movie um but uh yeah so i understand why people say that it's not horror or whatever i'm cool with that it makes sense um i i just think that when like there was an article that said this might not only be the worst film of the year but possibly of the decade or something wow and it's like from an actual critic like a real writer who has works for like a real like legit outlet and to me it's just like dude like i cannot stand like i like i don't know why we as like consumers allow people to say shit like that man like you should be fucking ran out of town for saying something like that because it's clearly not the worst film of the year it's clearly not the worst film of the century or decade like definitely not it's a weird movie um it's very pretentious i will say that like like i feel like if like i feel like dude probably thinks he's the shit and like oh i'm so smart like (laughs) like like because it does come off that way a lot you know once you read what you know the the the, probably the uh theories are behind the film um but i I still really liked it and after i told carly what i had read that it probably meant she actually came up a little bit too and was like oh okay that's actually pretty pretty cool you know that that that's neat um she still didn't really like it too much um people were hating it i knew it was gonna happen like i i won't i knew as soon as i saw this movie i was like nobody's gonna like this shit um but i did like it uh i'm coming in at uh an 8.5 out of 10 wow mother i wasn't expecting to come in so high but wow i'm really curious man i'm really curious because sometimes that shit doesn't really bother me if you really have to try and figure out something you know you know i mean i'm a big fan of david lynch films and let's face it i mean he's been on record saying that even Eraserhead has no deeper meaning <laughs> it's like all these fucking critics they're trying to figure it out and anal- overanalyze this film is, is like it doesn't mean shit <laughs> you know so That's i don't know precisely what you want us to think it's it's all uh-huh. it's all theories on this I, i'm curious to see it i'm really curious to see if i can come up with something on it but who knows, man? I'm a fan of his work. Well, it, it definitely. So. After I read what I read, I'm almost entirely convinced that it's that, mm-hmm. um, because there's no other explanation really, and it actually makes a lot of sense when you start really breaking the film down. I'm like, oh yeah, 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 I see what's going on here. Um, but <laughs> it's it's just a 
it's just a movie that never would have worked in mainstream audiences. Like, never. Like, I can't even believe it got that wide of a release. It's insane to me. Yeah, that yeah. is interesting. That is interesting. I mean, I'm it's curious kind of- to see what Jeremy thinks. I think I think you'll like it, Moods. I think you'll probably like it about as much as me. I mean, it's kind of like what Jeremy said about Under the Skin being a mainstream film, too. I mean, that one, in my opinion, I'm I'm with him on that one, man. I mean, that being marketed to a mainstream audience doesn't seem never gonna. No, this, it doesn't I seem like they should do a that. Million times worse. Oh, no, this no, is no. probably the most mismarketed film of all time. Yeah, not even joking. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Cool, man. I mean, I hope we get it here next week. Maybe I'll go check it out. Give you my thoughts on it. I if, doubt if, it. If we get it, I so. doubt you'll get it. Yeah, I I, I'm, I, thinking, it, I'm thinking we're not going to either. If we didn't get it this <laughs> week, we're probably not going to. They're probably going to just stick with the Pixar films. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, first up here is a Patreon pick uh, coming courtesy of Matt Jovanovsky. Um, thank you buddy for contributing to the Patreon and giving me this film because it's one I've never talked about before uh, coming from a director that actually got mentioned in uh, in Dead Mail um, Larry Cohen from 1985 The Stuff uh, that was odd that you brought up Larry Cohen films like right before I was doing this I thought that was very strange but um, I think we're all familiar with The Stuff here uh, basically the storyline to the stuff is um, these guys in like northern Alaska. I think that's where it is. They come across this kind of gooey yogurt type ice cream edible material that's like coming out of the earth. It jumps forward to it being mass produced in the in society, and uh, it ultimately comes America's number one favorite snack slash meal. Now, jumping to our characters here, the film follows your main character Mo. And Mo is basically hired on by these rival corporation heads that want him to uh, infiltrate the people that are distributing this stuff. This, you know, they want to find out what the hell it's made out of, so they can basically reproduce it and come up with their own stuff. And uh, Mo is like an ex FBI. He was canned by the FBI, but he's really damn good at his job. So he teams up with this little kid that, uh, you know, he witnesses his family kind of falling victim to this stuff. He opens up the fridge one day and he sees it moving and he's like, I'm not eating that shit. There's something fucking wrong with the stuff. So him and Mo ultimately get together and now they're trying to solve the mystery of the stuff. Um, it's a very, it's a very, you know, simple premise, but it has a lot of deeper meaning it, 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 like every Larry Cohen film he doesn't just make films for the hell of it he always has relevant social commentary in his film and that's what I love about Larry Cohen man he he can make such a silly film like this but it really does have a deeper meaning I mean if you simply took the stuff and replaced it with cigarettes this is what he's telling the social commentary here is about consumerism it is obviously about the government um you know, basically killing society off with with products that they know are harmless or harmful to people, but they don't give a shit because they're making money off it, and that's what he's telling with this. You know, in kind of a comedic way, and you know, with horror elements and things like that. But that's essentially what the story is, and it's played off so well. I mean, in every last detail of this film, man, that's what you're getting. The social commentary through the whole film. It doesn't take a, a brain surgeon to figure out what's going on here it's just really well done it's it's very fun it's ridiculous um it's one of those films when you watch and you're <laughs> like 
you legitimately get insanely hungry while you're watching it too. I mean, that stuff looks so good. <laughs> it really does honestly look good. And, uh, you know, and I mean, they go into it like there's a lot of dialogue in the film where the FDA and, and they talk about how they were, you know, how they protect things. And like the dialogue is very forward in the film to the social commentary. Like it's, it's not out there. You don't have to figure it out kind of thing. Right. Um, but it's a fun ass film, man. It's, it's really driven by the performance of, uh, uh, Michael Moriarty. He actually starred in cue the wing serpent. Uh, he was the main lead in that film. He and ended up starring in actually, he worked with, um, Cohen a few different times, but most recently he worked with him on the masters of horror episode. Uh, what's the one where they're battling on the road, the road horror one. Um, What's the name of the episode? Shit. I can't remember. Something uh, Highway? No. What the fuck is it called? I totally just slipped my mind. Um, Pick Me Up? Pick Me Up. That's right. He's he's the driver. He's the driver in that, in that battle right there, Michael Moriarty. But, man, he, his performance in this film is just fantastic as moments. He has some great lines and stuff. Um, I know he basically kind of ad-libbed a lot of the shit that was in this film and stuff. Um, but it's topped off with great fun effects. You know, they put in a lot of like ridiculous type over the top, like face smashing effects in this and stuff. And there's a lot of really good stop motion in this film too, with the stuff. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because not a lot of people kind of relate this film to the blob, but the blob, the blob remake is very different than the original film. And I think the blob remake took a lot of ideas from this film, especially with, you know, the stuff being essentially kind of a alien. They don't really know what it is. It's never really fully explained what it is. It's like an alien type creature type thing. Don't really know. Um, it's got one, it's got a really great, great tagline, something on the lines of, uh, um, are you eating it or is it eating you? I love that tagline because essentially what it does, it turns people into zombies. Kind of right. It turns people into people or into what they're not usually. And I, I, I love the whole premise of this stuff, man. It's such a fun-ass film, man. It's got a great ending, uh, topped off by a great performance from Paul Serino. Uh, Is it Serino? Yeah. He wasn't, like, overly popular at the time of this, but, you know, he went on to do bigger and better things. But he plays, like, a colonel at the end of the film when they get to the um, the whole military stuff. And there's a lot of paranoia and stuff and a lot of things that play into, you know, where the film was deriving from. Um, really, really fun stuff, man. I think this... <laughs> Pun intended, I guess. Really fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, there's nothing like watching a, a, you know, a Cohen film. And, you know, if you're into like, you know, kind of dissecting films and shit, man, it's it's a fun one to do because it's, it's very direct. Uh, eight out of ten, man. The stuff is such a fun ass film. Uh, you just you never get sick of it. Right. So. Yeah. All right. All right, I'm up. So keeping with the theme of this week's show, I decided to pop in the slasher video release of Dracula in Vegas from the year 1999. And if I thought the burning moon and dark harvest were horrible, holy fucking shitballs is this one even on even a whole nother level. It makes those movies look like fucking Citizen Kane. Now, this movie's directed by um, Nick Mallard, who did Cemetery Sisters, which I reviewed on my channel back when that got released from um, Olive and uh, Slasher Video. And that film is fucking not good either. And this one follows similar tropes in quality. So this one we follow Max. Max is a 
vampire who is living in Germany and he gets accepted into college in Las Vegas but he also gets accepted into Harvard and Yale but he decides to go to University of Nevada Las Vegas for some fucking stupid ass reason obviously right and along the way his father who's also a vampire is trying to convince him to start sucking the blood out of women even though he wants to study at school and then he comes across a love interest who he doesn't want to turn to a vampire but he's trying to control his urges and along the way we see stuff of going into a dollar store and buying fake ass plastic vampire teeth and using those as fangs because that's basically what's going on whenever you see anybody who has fangs in this movie. It looks like they walked into the nearest dollar store and bought a fucking <laughs> dozen of plastic fangs Probably and put them too. on and said, oh, this is good enough. And along the way, we have, of course, horrible sound, just horrible fucking uh tracking issues with the vhs tapes what that they used in this master it's fucking crackling and doing a whole bunch of other crazy shit throughout the entire film (coughs) it's only 63 minutes this movie is just absolutely fucking horrendously horrible like super 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 bad and it's not even super super bad in a good way like the two films i will talk about later it's just absolutely fucking horrendously horrible so Dracula in Vegas gets a 2 out of 10 (laughs) I actually have a review coming up for this one (laughs) did you watch it already no I haven't actually no I haven't Uh, seen it yet it's horrible oh man that sounds and fucking Steve's probably gonna kill me but it's bad (laughs) All right. Um, wow. Know how Steve enjoys those movies? Like, how do you watch them without losing your fucking mind? Didn't you like video violence? Yeah, yeah. It's I guess so. It's not a bad movie, but it's not like I want to watch it again. But the time I watched it, it was okay. <laughs> All right, JP. What do you got? Um. Alright, so uh, next up I watched uh, Amsterdam from 1988, courtesy of Blue Underground, which I know Jeremy talked about on the show before. I don't think he did a review of it, but he mentioned that the transfer was uh, Blue Balls, apparently. Yep. (laughs) And then everybody called him a liar because it didn't. Blue Underground talked about it. I'm just joking, man. Fuck you. Fuck Jerry, especially. uh, Apparently, there was an issue with the first discs. Um, I guess sometimes it's good to not get screeners right away because then you might get the actual good discs. I guess, right? (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, my disc was fine, I believe. I didn't see any major issues. Um, But this film follows... It's actually a... um, Dutch film, which makes sense because it's called Amsterdam. Directed by Dick Moss. Who's that? Dick Moss. He directed it. What did he? What JP else? He likes do? Dick Moss. Ha ha ha. I also did. Uh, well, depends on where you are, but Saint Nick or Saint or Sint, whatever. Oh, you okay. Call it. I have that. I've never seen it. Um. So, yeah. Uh, it, it it's set in um. Uh. Holland, 
or no? Where's it set? In Amsterdam. Holland? Amsterdam, yeah. Okay. In Holland. Yeah. Amsterdam. Uh, and it's the famous like canal system. Uh, basically, there's a killer who's like floating through the canals and like slashing people. It's like a aquatic slasher. Yeah, that's usually what happens in a slasher. People get slashed. <laughs> yeah. That's why, that's why they're called slashers, JP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But are they always slashed in the water? No. Yeah, th- this is why this movie sticks out quite a bit, actually. It's yeah. Unique. Yeah, super unique. Uh, really cool setting for a film, but basically it follows um, this this killer and a detective who is uh, trying to stop him, you know what I mean? Um, so one thing that – and this is really funny. One thing that I like to do sometimes – Oh, would you like to review this film instead, Jeremy? Because apparently you've seen it. <laughs> Go, no, he probably hasn't watched it. That's the funny. That's the irony there. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing that I um, like to do sometimes with films that are, I guess, dubbed, but also have the original language track and subtitles is sometimes what I'll do is so like this Blu-ray plays the original language with subtitles. I didn't feel like watching a movie with subtitles the night that I watched this. I actually didn't even know that it was going to be in Dutch or whatever, but it was. So uh, I thought it was going to be like a dubbed film that like most films that came out in the eighties where um, slashers like this and giallos and stuff like that. But what I did was I actually played the dubbed version with the original subtitles on. So it's a very interesting experience if you've never done it. Because you're hearing the dubbed version, but you're actually reading what it's actually saying in the other language. Oh, that's crazy. So you're actually seeing all the changes. Like there's a scene where um, right away like where the daughter's like on the phone – and she in the dubbed version she says he might be masturbating but in the original version she says something nothing like that like he's in the other room or something <laughs> they're, like they're, that it's like a complete different thing yeah it's like a complete different thing so like it is very distracting i will say that because yeah. you're you're literally reading you're like literally watching the movie twice like at the same time it's very confusing um but i i i recommend trying it once to just see the differences because it's it's very curious to do that um but yeah this this movie i'm not gonna lie like jeremy was making fun of me a little bit but it is a little bit rusty in my brain right now i watched it early in the week and then i watched like six other movies after it um but i thought that it was pretty cool i liked it was funny like i kept laughing because like people would just be like like this whole like concept re- re- relies on like people standing next to water. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this guy like jumps out and like s- s- kills people. Um, but yeah, uh, it wasn't too bad. I-, I liked it. I probably come in at like a 7.5 out of 10, man. This movie right here, man has like, uh, dude, one of the coolest, like the, the canal chasing in the boats, man is fucking nuts. Ah, uh, it's absolutely fucking nuts, dude. The the lead character there, man, he was doing his own stunts and shit. He actually still has physical injuries from doing those. He got hurt so bad on it. 
I did think it went a little too like actiony. Like that was what I, I I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot about that. But like it was just like a little too too long for me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the film runs about two hours, but I think it's, I think it's a nice blend of slasher. That slash. was another thing. Yeah. See, I forgot like everything watching this. It has two nice... hours. Yeah, I was pissed about that. Yeah. No, it's a long film, man. But slashers I think... are not supposed to be two hours. Well, ever because it wasn't actually meant to be like a full blown. It's like a slasher slash almost like giallo esque action film. Like Dick Moss was trying to do just kind of everything in one and, and to be honest i think it, it honestly really does work i think if you watch this film again you might, you might appreciate it a little bit but i think some of those scenes are just oh they're like absolutely amazing dude absolutely amazing like i i can't even fucking believe people didn't die during those things man like they were <laughs> like it's actually insane you see some of the special features on that shit like a dude literally still has fucking injuries <laughs> getting all hurt and shit it's crazy but it's a, it's a, you have to admit though it's very unique in its approach yeah, there was, I was never really impressed with it even to try and do like an underwater slasher film essentially is i mean that takes some that takes some energy it really does i mean yeah. it definitely yeah like it's perfect that there's like these canals everywhere you mm. know what i mean well it's <laughs> which kind of is like, like different am- from yeah it's like different from anything in the united states that's for sure yeah for sure man yeah yeah, good shit though, man. Good release though. I'm 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 curious to check it out when I'm like more in the mood for that. You know, it was like two hours, is subtitled. I was just like, no. Yeah, I think that's one of those films that you kind of have to be 100 percent with it if you're gonna pop it in. Definitely check. That, that's one of my that's one of my things. What I do though, like when I watch a film. Or before I watch a film, I do like a pre-prep is what I call it, man. And I always check the length of the film. I like Carly actually uh, like her watch stack. She arranges it by running time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's funny because like, you know, I'll set up a schedule to watch films. I watch a lot of films later at night and I don't want to be watching a two hour film starting at like 1231 in the morning. I don't want to go that late. You know, I'll watch like a shorter one or whatever. People are like, yeah, that's like Jeremy today. He watched that Dracula one simply because it was like sixty some minutes. Yeah, it's like yep. 60, it's like sixty sixty three minutes or something. <laughs> which you know, a lot of shot on video films should be that length. Which we'll get into that. But, yep, not but an um, hour and forty three. But yeah, so <laughs> Jesus Christ, shoot me now. <laughs> All right, man. So my next uh, film here is uh, from nineteen ninety five, and it was requested by W Doubles again. Another Patreon pick here. What up to dubby um still need to get you on the show boy i know you'd be listening but um but of course he went with a trauma distributed film by the name of frostbiter again from the year 1995 uh which is also known as uh wendigo or wendigo however you want to pronounce it i think there's multiple titles for this film actually uh basically what it's about is it's a it's a wendigo story it's a wendigo story kind of oddball-y a little bit uh, beginning of the film, we've got these two hunters. They're on this isolated island. You actually have to fly into this island to go hunting. It's winter time, and uh, <laughs> in in great cinema fashion, man, this one they come across this hut, and this one guy is just acting like a total fucking asshole. He starts desecrating this whole area that's around this hut and stuff. And this gatekeeper guy comes out, and he ends up killing him, which actually unleashes the the Wenigo. Right, because this gatekeeper was actually living on the the sacred ground after it was put to rest there, and the only way that it would stay there is you need someone to watch over it. So, anyways, this asshole hunter ends up killing this gatekeeper, 
and releases the Winnego. And meanwhile, while this happens, somehow, <laughs> somehow, the gatekeeper sends this like telepathic message to this this female across the lands, and it tells her like, "Okay, this is what's going on. I'm dying, and the Winnego is getting free. So you need to make your way over to this isolated island and you know put this thing to rest." Don't know why <laughs> she was the one that needed to do this, but anyway, she she aboards the or she boards this um, this chartered flight where they're flying in, and as they're flying in. They get attacked by this this amazing Winnego creature. <laughs> the effects are so awesome. Anyways, they go down. She ends up meeting up with um, these other hunters that are on the island, and she kind of you know gets together with them. And now they got to beat this Winnego kind of thing. Uh, this is a very it's a it's a silly approach to the story. I mean, we all know what the story is. I don't have to get into the backstory of the Wendigo or Wendigo, however you want to pronounce it. It's pronounced a million different ways. Uh, it's a very very fun film. It's silly. I mean, this one is distributed by Troma. You kind of know what you're getting yourself into. One of my biggest complaints with this film, though, is just is the uh, the placement of music in this film. A lot of the music in this film is really good, but it's oddly placed. Like some, I, I just the soundtrack was actually recorded originally for this too, which is interesting. It's got like kind of punk bands and all this type of odd music and stuff, but it's playing really loud throughout the film and. It's just oddly placed. In scenes where they're trying to be a little bit serious, the music is like blaring and it's not really adding to the atmosphere, which the film actually is quite atmospheric and pretty cool because it has a winter setting. We love these winter settings. I wish they had to just toned it down on that and just kind of put more of an eerie soundtrack and still kept, you know, the levels of comedy in there. It would have been a lot better. Um, but, you know, overall, man, it's a blast. It's actually... It's one of those films where you can sit back, have some beers, completely enjoy. The effects are so funny in this film, man. Like it's, it's got a lot of Evil Dead shoutouts in this film. I mean, let's face it, there's a hunting cabin in the middle of nowhere, and you know there's a lot of shit going on in this cabin, <laughs> a lot of shit. So it's got that Evil Dead kind of feel to it. Pretty good atmosphere, man. I, I just think the music kills it a lot. But the Wendigo itself, the effects are like um, stop motion. Uh, very practical, really, really goofy. I've never seen a Wendigo film that actually had a Wendigo that looked like this, so it's kind of unique in that style. Um, very, very fun stuff, though, man. But, you know, not really a whole lot more to say about it. It's got a pretty fun ending. Actually kind of ridiculous, but kind of bloody. You know, that very kind of goofy gore and things like that. But uh, I'm going to come in about a 6.5 out of 10 on this one. It's definitely a fun watch. Um, yeah. Frostbiter. Check it out in the wintertime. It's actually pretty fun. Frostbiter. All right. Next up, I have a film from Severin. And it is our good friend Richard Stanley's newest documentary from the year 2013. That is a film titled The Other World. Richard Stanley. What can you say about Richard Stanley? He is a very interesting character, to say the least very weird and bizarre 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 individual um you probably already know that if you've seen the island of dr manu fucking just botch that shit moreau the making oh my god i think the most outrageous thing ever is when he made him he made his way back onto the set (laughs) when they were filming (laughs) that's like craziest shit ever anyways that's like a totally different review but yeah yeah it's a very dude so when i saw that he made a new documentary i was very um interested in checking this one out and this one's like half like 
um, self storytelling about what this topic is about. And um, other half is like interviews from people. So basically it's just like about this castle in the French mountains that has this, um, this aurora to it that people like take a print, like a thrill. aura, aura, no. aura, 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 aura. They take like a um, pilgrimage. Ooh, look at this! Look at my amazing speaking today to this castle because they believe that it has uh, 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 a portal to another world you know the at the afterlife and other dimensions and whoever comes and visits this place they have um out of this body type of experiences and richard stanley has um heard about this place so he travels there one day with his friend and together they're hiking in this castle and they see this woman and richard stanley talks about how it was like a lot of other people have talked about an out of a body, an out of body experience, and it was at this point that he started to believe more and more about this this portal that was in this castle that led to other dimensions. And there's a whole um, religious backstory to this, and a whole bunch of other different things that made my head want to fucking explode. Um, I really didn't get half the shit that was being talked about. Um, it, it, it's not too interesting in the sense that I wasn't really that connected to the subject matter, but just watching Richard Stanley talk out of his ass is, is, is interesting enough. You know, I could just sit there and watch that guy for hours is talk about crazy nonsense. Uh, I'm curious to see if you guys get anything more out of it. And if you understood more of it, but it's a very beautiful, beautiful documentary. Let me say, um, the setting, like I said, is in the French mountains, and it, they definitely were able to. Uh, Richard Stanley was definitely able to take advantage of having some really beautiful shots of the French mountains, uh, you know, drone shots and things like that. It's very beautiful, beautiful documentary. So I had to give him credit with that. Um, it, it, it isn't something that's just blah to look at and just him sitting in a background talking about nonsensical bullshit. Uh, it, it's, it, it adds a lot more. So the cinematography is really good. Uh, it's actually done by the same cinematographer who did uh, We Are Still Here, which is an awesome film. Um, that movie just screams cold, and uh, this documentary just screams uh, beauty. So... If you guys want a beautiful movie, then definitely check this one out. Uh, you know, Severin always delivers in packaging as well. Uh, we have a making of, which is it's always weird when you see making ofs with documentaries because it's like, what's the fucking purpose of having a making of a documentary? But there's a making of feature right on here. And then we have some scenes that uh, were cut and we have the trailer. Transfer is good. Everything else that you expect from a Southern release is in here. That's really solid. Comes with the Blu-ray, and then it comes with uh, another DVD, which has like a like a testimony, more testimonies from uh, some other people who experienced uh, this out-of-world uh, portal that many see at this castle. So it, it's okay. It's 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 not really my cup of tea not really something that i would probably watch again it's very weird seven released it it's uh, i think simply because it's richard stanley they decided to give it a shot so 
um, if you're like into religious and um, and you know sp- space type things, then you'll probably enjoy. It, but not really for me. But I'll just give it a five out of ten solely <laughs> on you know the way it's made and 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 Richard Stanley. Man, that sounds right up my alley, man. <clears throat> I love Richard Stanley. Have you ever watched any of his other documentaries before? Oh, yes, others. Yeah, he's got lots, man. I mean, if you have the, if you can get your hands on the five disc uh, edition of Dust Devil, it has like, fuck, I think five, three or four or five of his uh, documentaries on there. He's a good filmmaker, yeah. man. He, he really is, man. He legitimately made two of my favorite films in the '90s, man. Hardware and Dust Devil. It's crazy. It's too bad that he got kind of banished from Hollywood, you know, after the whole Doctor Monroe or Monroe Monroe uh, fiasco thing, but. Um, yeah, man, he hasn't really done anything, man. I think he did. Uh, he did a segment in the theor- in the theater bazaar, didn't he? Uh, I can't remember which one he did, but I know he did one of them. But kind of a it's kind of a shame that it's he a got- very hard film to try and understand if you're not like into that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I, I bet don't you, think I, like it's no gotta, matter how much you watch it, it's got to be interesting probably- though. It's got to be interesting yeah. though, man. I mean, honestly, dude, I agree with you, man. About you know, listen to Richard Stanley talk, man. He's 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 an interesting guy. He's a very I wouldn't say he's full blown eccentric, but he's he's definitely different. He's yeah. willing to do other odd things. I mean I mean, just look at the documentary <laughs> about yep. Doctor Monroe. Monroe, man, it's fucking crazy. But um I, I wanna check it out actually. It sounds pretty cool. I'm a big fan of, of Richard Stanley, so cool shit. Cool shit. JP, what do you got? All right, so uh, the last film here that I'm going to talk about is <clears throat> a Patreon pick. I do got to apologize, man. Dubby, I didn't get to the Omen um, for this show, and I don't – based on what kind of show we do next week, I don't know if I'll be able to get to it. So it might be delayed a little bit. I know you're the type of dude that will understand. Uh, I moods through a second film on me this week and uh, kind of fucked up my flow a bit, so blame him. Um, <laughs> I think it fucked so, up all of uh, flows, man, to be honest. Yeah, I just didn't have time, man. I mean, I watched Saw 7. I could talk about that one. <laughs> um, but no, for real, um, I got I got caught. I, my goal was to get home early enough to squeeze it in today, but I just didn't get home early enough. So my apologies. But I, it's definitely a film. I'm, I'm for sure going to watch it because it's part of 76 anyway. And it's also part of our top 100, which I said that I was going to watch all of those that I hadn't seen by the end of the year. Um, so far, not doing too good on that. But anyway, uh, I did get to the other Patreon, which was Matt Janowski or whatever the hell his name is. I must keep saying Janowski. Janoski? I don't know. <laughs> and that was Blowout from 1981. Awesome. Uh, Brian De Palma directed, uh, starring John Travolta. Um, not hugely familiar with De Palma. This is probably only the second film that I've seen from him, I believe. And uh, not a horror film, by the way. Just letting you guys know. <laughs> I keep getting hit with these, but I don't mind it because it's something that I wouldn't watch. You know, yeah, this movie's fucking awesome. No, I think it's I purposely. Probably... I think it's purposely done by the viewers. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think they're trying to make my filmography, my taste expand a little bit. So I'm down with that. Um, it does have some cool horror type of shit in it, like um, slasher films and stuff. So basically. Uh, this film follows uh, a guy by the name of fuck of Jack, played by John Travolta, who basically is um, 
uh, in Philadelphia, and he works on low-budget slasher films like Blood Death and Blood Death 3 and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Uh, and he's he's a, a sound effects guy. Like he he's literally out there like finding these sounds in in the wild and creating them and stuff. And he's recording them. And obviously, it's completely different than how it's done today with uh, capturing sound and stuff with everything being so digital. Like today, back then, it was like way more work. You could just tell by the way that you're seeing this guy <clears throat> out there Anything doing stuff is. and. Oof. and do, and yeah it's actually on analog so yeah <clears throat> um which is very interesting like i almost wish the whole movie was that <laughs> like i was just like this is so cool like because you never see that aspect of filmmaking right mm-hmm. like you never see the sound guy getting the audio and stuff and doing these things and and uh anyway one night when he's out trying to get some some different sounds and stuff he's in a park uh he sees a, a car you know kind of fly off of a bridge and uh there's a young woman woman inside drowning and he he dives in and pulls her to safety uh later on at the hospital um the police interview him that he finds out that there's another person in the car uh a president hopeful he was the governor um and the girl was an escort so um the police and everybody are immediately trying to whitewash the whole situation this never happened that girl was never in there uh you know the family doesn't need to know that 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 this guy was going to be uh, messing with a prostitute his wife doesn't need to know what good does it help to to let the world know that let this man's death you know kind of which i'm kind of on board with a little bit you know what i mean it's like yeah i mean i kind of understand that like like why yeah he was doing it but i mean like there's it doesn't like the family's gonna go through so much already do they really need to go through that too um so i'm kind of with that but he's for some reason he's kind of like adamant on not doing that uh eventually they convince him he kind of like has a thing for the girl right away which actually kind of a little bit annoys me like i hate that in movies and especially like dramas it always happens it's like love at first sight type shit you know and it's just especially like a prostitute just didn't make sense to me that much but whatever i'm cool with that i guess um and basically uh that's when the movie starts to get really interesting because uh he's pretty convinced that he heard like a gunshot before the tire popped and before the car went into the thing. So he starts listening back to his audio because luckily he was recording with his microphone out that night and he happened to capture all the sound and him being super acute with sound. Uh, he, he can, you know, hear it. And then he does all this goes into a full blown, like investigative narrative. And, um, I've heard it described as a, uh, neo noir, um, Maybe. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, uh, doesn't really have a femme fatale. I was but... going to say there's no femme fatale in there at all, but yeah. Well, me and Jeremy argued that way like years ago that I argued that you don't absolutely have to have a femme fatale to be an R. It's just a aspect that's often used. Um, no, he it's just the most important aspect, you know. It's not. <laughs> I thought like, that was. It is. I thought that was. Well, okay. Yes, different, different show. Different show. Um. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I don't want to go into too much more because that's spoiler territory. Um, I really like this film. I like the setup. I like the, um, you know, the, the, there's a lot of reveals and uh, and uh, different narrative points that kind of elevate the story a little bit. Um, I just, 
like to me the setting was so cool like i like the initial s- setup to the story besides him liking the girl so much that actually annoyed me a lot throughout this film i just didn't buy it that much i guess uh, i like john travolta i know he kind of gets shit which i never really understood um i've pretty much liked him in everything i've seen him in so i, I don't know um, but yeah, uh, probably going to come in. It did, it did feel a little long towards the end. Um, I don't know how long this one runs. I want to say it's like an hour and 40 or something like that. Maybe a little bit more. Um, but, uh, I'm going to come in at about an 8.5 out of 10 on this one. Yeah. It's a it's, great film. It's a good film, man. It, it's a fun process, dude. Going out and recording sounds like raw like that. I still have recorded sounds. Looks boring to me. It's fucking fun, (laughs) dude. It's fun because you can do anything, man. Like if you're looking for raw, real sounds, it's what you do. Just go out and fucking record them. It's awesome. Done it before. Very, very fun stuff. So just a quick question. What what are the other De Palma films? Obviously, you've seen Carrie. Carrie. And probably Scarface. Um, Oh, he did Scarface? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah, Sisters. I've I've seen Scarface, Carrie, and now Blowout. Well, you need to check out De Palma, which is a documentary about Brian De Palma. It's one of the best documentaries in a long time. I can't believe believe I'm saying this again, but I'm agreeing with Jeremy again. The De Palma documentary is amazing because he literally goes through his entire filmography and talking about every film, like, right up until present day. It's it's insane. It's It's that modern um but sisters is a fucking masterpiece man he's got yeah sisters is great dress to kill is kind of it's an interesting one with michael kane body Mission double possible yeah fuck i don't like that movie but body double <laughs> body double is fucking amazing raising kane's awesome carlito's way like he's done lots of great films man um obsession what's the other one uh what's this uh, Parad- untouchables. uh yeah untouchables uh phantom of the paradise phantom of the paradise the fury Oh yeah, he did do Phantom. I own Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, he's, he's done. He had a really good run. I mean, if you look at his filmography, he had a really good run of films. So nothing's gonna top Carrie for me. I'm sorry, bro. <clears throat> yeah, carry over, carry over Scarface. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably take yeah, over Scarface. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like I, awesome I, I don't love Scarface like a lot of people do. Like it's good. Like it's good, good. <clears throat> but like I like. I like I, it's definitely like I, there's a million more movies. No, I like there, there's a few De Palma films I actually like more than that. And you know, Blow is probably maybe even be one of them. I, I love Blow, man. I think it's fucking fantastic. But Sisters, I don't know, arguably his best film. What do you say, Jeremy? You probably see most of his films. He's not listening. Jeremy, what's your favorite film from Brian De Palma? Or not. He's gone. <laughs> All right. So I guess we'll move along here. And back to me. Jeremy does not have a, a third one. So we're going to skip over to myself here, uh, which is a Italian stallion. Um, and this is actually kind of this is actually kind of different because this is a modern film. This is a film from 2017. So strange. Like I would say 98% of the time I do one. It's always a, it's a throwback film. Uh, this one here is coming from JP's favorite company, company in the world, which is Necrostorm. And it's a film <laughs> called Sweet 313. Uh, it's it's strange. I've, I've actually reviewed every single film from Necrostorm. And I've never I've never gotten, you know, um, what was the term that you used before? People were getting fucking blocked. 
review blocked or something? I don't, no, I, di- didn't we didn't we discuss this on the podcast that people were getting false flagged from that? Oh, false flag. This, that's, this that's was the a term. topic on the podcast like years ago. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that. yeah, that's right. It was on the podcast. Yeah, false flag yeah, and stuff. And, which to me that automatically discredits you as anybody I will ever support. I don't because like, fuck you. I would like to go back and actually like you know see what that was all about it probably was man someone working for the company maybe somebody was giving bad reviews the funny thing is i've reviewed this is you know including this film every film that they've released to date and you know most of them have been on my channel i've never been false flagged or anything i mean i guess maybe those reviews well were you have negative. to you have to have negative review they didn't false flag the positive ones well, I didn't give the last film that that great of a fucking. Re- I don't know. I guess it wasn't like Wild Eye Films where I give it like point five out of ten and shit. But anyways, Sweet Three Thirteen. This is a. Um, uh, if you're familiar with the film Hotel Inferno, uh, this is kind of a spinoff from that one. It's kind of interesting actually because I, I didn't know that going into this. I didn't realize it had anything to do with it because I know that, that there's a Hotel Inferno 2 coming out. So this one has to do with the Lumen Corporation that was the main villain that was from the first film. And I feel like this is kind of like a middle part between Hotel Inferno. There's this film and I'm assuming Hotel Inferno 2 when it comes out is going to be like the, the next part of it. I don't know. Um, now, if you're familiar again with Hotel Inferno, you would know that it's a very unique film in itself because it's shot in POV. It's first person. It's very much like you're watching a video game. You know, if you were to click on YouTube and you watch some dude playing first, that's what you'd be watching. That's essentially what the look of this film is, just like Hotel Inferno. It's exactly the same. Uh, the storyline in this one is it follows your your main character, uh, Sergeant uh, Connor. And he responds to this call from this house where this lady is called 911 about something, and it was unclear what she was calling about, so she, he goes to investigate. He goes into this house, he can't really find much and stuff, and then he finds a another agent that has actually apparently responded like the day before or two days before, and he's all fucked up. And he kind of learns that shit like right away, and he's like, holy fuck, what the hell's going on? Now he's kind of trapped in this house. And um, so he comes across this voice on basically a, I want to say like a computer type thing. And it's the girl that had called 911. And she's starting to give him instructions on what to do and stuff. Because now there's like all this paranormal uh, crazy shit that's going on. The Lumen Corporation basically specializes in doing all these very interesting tests on things and creating evils is what they do. Essentially is what they do. So now he's strapped in this house and he's trying to get the fuck out of here. And like I said, it's all shot first person. It's very, very fucking unique, man. You don't see films shot like this. You just, it's hard to do. Thankfully, the running time is only about 63, 64 minutes because it's like perfect for something like this because there's not really a lot of story. It's basically he gets there and now he's fighting off these evil entities, essentially, is what he's doing. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're familiar with Necrostorm Films, you know, Adam Chaplin, uh, Tater City, Hotel Inferno, you know how fucking goddamn gory and over-the-top ridiculous these films can be. I wasn't a fan of Tater City. <laughs> it's actually, like, my favorite one. Um, yeah. But anyways, but you know, if you're familiar with that style, that very comic booky type, uh, CG practical type thing, but it, it blends very well. I really like what they're doing because they're very unique in their styles. That's what you're going to get here, except for all the gore. (laughs) Um, This one doesn't rely heavily on the Necrostorm 
over-the-top gore. This one relies on setting and atmosphere. It's very slow. It's very atmospheric. It's very creepy. And it has some really good scares in this. It actually had some pretty decent scares that weren't like full-blown jump scares. It was kind of things that were coming out. And and just the way things were developing was actually pretty damn cool. Um, not really a whole lot to say about this one. It's 60 minutes long. It's it's a dude you're following in POV. Um, you know, there, there's definitely some odd plot holes in this, I think, though, with the voice and how it correlates to the end of the film. That's my biggest complaint with this movie is the end of the movie. It's very cliched and it felt rushed. I felt like they just, it's like they ran out of money or something, or they just wanted to wrap. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking with the end of the film, but it wasn't very good. But the whole build up to there was actually worth the watch. I thought it was very exciting. Um, just slow. If you, if you can deal with slow atmospheric films, it's good. The payoff isn't there, though. It's it's unfortunate, but definitely worth the watch if you're a fan of Necrostorm stuff. It does have some gore and some pretty cool effects in the film and shit. And I think the entities and, and things that are going on in there are fucking cool looking, man. Like, really damn cool. And there's a lot of really cool scenery and shit in, inside this house. And, and what's going on in there is actually really interesting, too. But, you know... Can't really say a whole lot more about it. Six and a half, six and a half out of ten. Definitely not my favorite Necrostorm film. I'm awaiting Hotel Inferno 2, you know, for maybe the rest of the Lumen Corporation story. I don't know. But this feels like kind of like a uh, kind of like a filler episode in like a season. You know, I, it's weird, but still kind of cool. Yeah, check it out. From the people who brought you the Traces of Death series. Get Alive Productions brings America the goriest horror film of them all. The Burning Moon. When the moon is full, the blood tide rises. No matter what you've seen, you ain't seen nothing like this. Banned in 14 countries, straight from the German underground, in its original, uncut, uncensored version. The Burning Moon. You want it? Make them get it. Yeah, getting into the feature reviews here on episode 113. Yeah, and this one is coming from our homeboy D Boogie. D nice. Derek himself, 10 out of 10 Derek. This is a Patreon. <laughs> this is a Patreon pick that he chose for Featured a review. Feature review featured review that's right he chose for us kindly I, i'm sure jeremy's disagreeing with that heavily um so this kind of ma- kind of made it into a shot on video type featured review show which is kind of unique you don't see a lot of these i don't think because i i think a lot we've of people- only covered one in a featured review before which was just was violence it, was that the only one we yeah probably okay so that's pretty cool, man. But um, yeah, this this film right here is coming from the awesome year of 1992, directed by the gore master himself, the German gore master himself, Olaf Ittenbach, and it is called The Burning Moon. Uh, I'm sure people out there that are listening to the show are familiar with Olaf Ittenbach. I mean, he's known for his goddamn ridiculous gore films. That's The Burning Moon is one of them. <laughs> Um, let's get into a quick, quick little synopsis of this one here. Did you just say you're sure that everybody's familiar with Olaf Ittenbach? Not me. <laughs> I guarantee you that ten percent of our audience is okay. Well, we'll, do, we'll do a poll. Ittenbach. We'll do a poll. We'll do a poll. Just for Facebook, and that'll be the controlled environment for 
the poll, and I bet you more than ten percent know who Olaf Ittenbach is. I mean, he's got a fucking yeah, but that's crazy not that's not our. Let's be fair. The people in our Facebook group is the ten percent. Somebody asked today <laughs> if PB's Big Adventure was horror. <laughs> so there is some people in there that, that are controlling a joke. Th- that are controlling no, there's this some, experiment. There, there, there has been a, a a slew of retarded people in the Facebook. Page <laughs> Holy fuck! There's bam zinger. Retarded. I, I don't. I, I don't care what three giallos you picked up. Oh come on! What the I fuck? Know. I'm being a dick. I care. Apparently, apparently, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I'm going on a limb. I mean, dude. All I, okay, they- listen. I find myself a pretty knowledgeable horror fan. I did not know who Olaf Ittenbach was. Okay, I'm not the most knowledgeable. Obviously, I said I was about a seven, but I know damn well that I'm more knowledgeable than a lot of people that listen to this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I bet you Dave never heard of Olaf Ittenbach. Yeah, well, Dave would also ignore this purposely because even the thought of shot on video for Dave is a waste of time. So, true. Um, true. But I mean, there's a lot of people, man. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, that are into this type of stuff. It's like you know, you take Dougie for instance, why. man. Like he loves trauma and he loves low, but like Steve, yeah, he loves he and, loves a shot on video. And he's those are the ten percenters. But listen, dude, like when you look at let's say the <clears throat> sixteen hundred views that we got on the it show in a week. You're t- I bet you that that not even a hundred of those people know who this dude is. I'll take that bet. I will definitely maybe a, take- maybe a hundred. I will definitely take that bet, man. <laughs> but I bet well, you a hundred. There's no I bet you a hundred views is the only amount of views we get on this because people are yeah. gonna be like, "What the yeah. fuck is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> Give me it. I don't want this shit." <laughs> who knows? Who really cares? Uh, but quick little synopsis here. The Burning Moon centers on two bedtime stories that a delinquent brother reads his kid's sister. These disturbingly morbid stories focus on serial killing, blind date, and a murderous psycho- psychotic priest. And yeah, that's essentially what we get here. We get um, not really an anthology. It's more like it's just two stories. I mean, I guess it's an anthology type thing, but it's two stories. I don't know. You guys consider okay, two okay. stories being an anthology? I don't know. But I, I, I give it credit. They he tr- the he they tried to add something interesting with the second story. You know, it's not like it was just like a shitty, uh, shitty story about scarecrows. I mean, he was, at least he's trying to say something about priest and molestation and all that kind of stuff. Oh. So I give him credit with that. That at least he was trying to have some kind of you know hidden meaning to what he was trying to say. But. Ugh, oh, I don't know. That ending is is interesting. It's fucking awesome. Very okay. interesting. Well, let's start with the first story. It's called Julia's Love, and this one is a basically basically about a killer, like this psychotic killer that escapes uh, the mental institution by the name of Cliff Parker, and he ends up out on a date with this woman. It's a blind date, and she ultimately finds out that he is a guy that has just escaped the mental institution by way of radio. I love that. The scene is so fucking funny, too, because yeah. she's literally listening to the radio and they give the license plate number of the car that he stole. And she steps out. They're at the like the drive in, I think, or something. And she looks at it and then she just bolts. <laughs> she fucking well, bolts. I want to know how he knows how to drive a car if he's been in fucking locked up in a mental. Have you ones. never seen uh, Halloween? That's the Halloween. Yeah, that's the Halloween that. argument. <laughs> yeah, when yeah. We just. Yeah, we just kind of. Um, that, I guess. Okay. Um, also, you guys forgot to mention that the little brother is actually played by in the wraparound story. 
The, the little brother or the little sister, you mean, you dumbass? The little brother. The, there the, is the no, brother. Whatever, the fucking brother. It's a sister. I The dude. Oh, the older? The, the, oh, the junkie? Oh, the junkie? Yeah, the dude. That's his. That's her brother. Yeah. He's babysitting. Yeah, yeah. Um, who is it? With that killer With that killer airing? That's <laughs> Olaf Ittenbach. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It totally is. See, you're supposed to be an Olaf Ittenbach. Fuck. See, no, I know his movies. I know his movies, man. Nobody even knows what he looks like. I know, I know what his fucking movies. I know his movies, but yeah, you're right. You're right. Totally. Um, Jesus Christ, I didn't even think of that. But he was 23 when he made this. By the way, that's right. My age. But yeah, I I guess it starts out basically with. I guess we can get into the rap. I mean, there's kind of a rap round. I guess a little bit, but it's about this degenerate that, and it's such a weird. Rapper, even how Ittenbach did it, man. He's like this degenerate that's in this job interview. Obviously, doesn't give a shit. Doesn't get the job. Goes home. His parents tell him that he needs to watch his sister for the weekend while they go away and do whatever they're going to do. He obviously screams and kicks and fights about that, and he ultimately ends up telling his sister. Uh, well, no, these, he these... goes and shoots heroin first. He does. You know, he shoots the that's heroin. That's an important moment. You guys are skipping all the good shit. Well, I mean, what are you? Are you talking about the fight? I love the fight between the junkie and the dad. He fucking owns his ass. I think when so he even speaks English, he's like, he fuck tell, off. Fuck that's off. the whole wraparound to this anthology, essentially. Yeah. It, does, is two stories enough to be an anthology? That's what I That's what I asked off the top there. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess in a sense. I mean, if it has a wraparound, I, I guess it works. I think if there's a wraparound, then yes, because that's like kind of a... I think that's kind anthology of... Anthology thing. Almost. Yeah. So... All right. Julie's Love. Anyways, um, that's, you know, that's the story for Julie's Love. Uh, this one, man... You can tell it's Imbach, okay. Imbach, I mean, it's it's a very very basic story where Imbach really wasn't put in a whole lot of effort into story because there's one major major plot hole in this that I just oh, never. You, you can't talk about plot holes in no, 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 but videos, he, man. No, yes, but, you can. No, but this oh, one is a ama- this is big enough that you can obviously mention this. So basically, after Julia books it off from the killer, she goes home. You know, to watch, you know, the news report about this guy. And she's just watching it. What doesn't she do? Nothing. She doesn't call the fucking cops. She's 100%. Dude, there ain't cops in Germany. Dude. Oh, the guy fucking blows his head off with a handgun at the end. 100% knows it's this guy because she matched the license plate with with the news radio or with the radio. And then she goes home and doesn't call the cops. And then what happens? Of course he fucking shows up and then <laughs> desecrates everyone around. But why? <laughs> like, I mean, they he wrote it into the script where she made it home. And she's in her safety. Like, all she has to do is pick up a phone and go, hey, by the way, I was on a blind date with the motherfucking mass killer of the century. You might want to come pick him up. I, I, it's, like, ridiculous. It's so I ridiculous. I problems with how the hell does a handgun make somebody's head explode. Aw, oh, dude, but that's just that's, a, that's just fun. That's just fun. That's <laughs> what, 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 what kind of handgun was it? <laughs> I don't know, fun. but he fucking, his whole head exploded like scanner style from a fucking... Yeah, that that <laughs> does not usually fucking... happen with a handgun, but... No, it handgun doesn't, shit. but you gotta admit, that shit was funny as flying fuck, though. <laughs> It's a fucking handgun and his head explodes. But I mean, like this fucking... is Olaf Ittenbach is known for his his gore. I mean, that's a it's a simple setup and it's about Cliff killing people. I thought the machete or the big long knife it almost looked like a machete through the fucking yeah, head that. was actually pretty wow. cool. Man. Oh, dude, that was that like okay, so. Yeah, this is a shot on video film, but dude, it is so 
much like better in terms of like production and yep. like special effects and music and even editing. Yep. It's so much better than most films like yep. Yep. of this caliber. So like to me, like this is a movie. Like mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna say that it's a you know shot on shittio film. Like it's a movie. I agree. It's- shot on shittio is only only reserved for films like Dracula and Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, what a turd! That but movie I agree is. though, man. Inbach has a little bit of style, even though it was shot on video. It was still they still had clarity. It still had somewhat decent. Subs- I mean, I'm not gonna say you know Academy Award winning acting, but at least the acting wasn't ridiculous. I did. I felt for that guy in the second story when he got killed. Like, it hurt me. Dude, like, I felt for him. It's the fucking... Okay, well, we'll get to that. But, um, yeah, man, you know, essentially, <laughs> we just have a gore film. So, what are your guys' thoughts on it? What are you guys, I know this is your first time watch for both of you guys, so... Um, I, I mean... It is what like, it is. I, I like the second story a little bit better. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, like, the stories... Like, that's the thing with, with these movies, honestly, is, like... There isn't that much to to Talk soak about. in. It's just it's no. like they're they're just like fluff pieces that are just like all like all like gore and it, like it's just just the, like there's not very much story. It's just it's like pure eye candy and that's it. I know. Um but there is like there is positive things to actually say like like the music I thought was great in this movie. Like exactly. it was really good. The I, and I think great. like see Mm. That's the one thing that I have problem with shot on studio, or you know, shot on video in general. <coughs> they play music way too fucking much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they do a lot, but... like, like even like in parts where normal movies wouldn't have music, like they would have music in the background. You know what? It's a... Really fucking annoying me. It was you know really what... annoying me. You know, honestly, what a lot of that is due to is because I mean, we'll get to it in Dark Harvest, but. Dark Harvest, I mean, they obviously needed some, you know, some windshields or they need some mic filters and stuff for yeah, the mics. Yeah, it's like there's Be- a lot of white noise in these type of movies that the VHS that's, cameras just pick up. And that's yeah. my point, man. So when you're shooting on video, man, you're using subpar equipment and stuff. You're picking up a lot of shitty extra audio and stuff. They drown that, that bullshit out by playing music and stuff. I mean, it's it kind of comes with the territory. I mean, that's why it's prevalent in all these type of films. I mean, it is what it is. But I do agree. The music was actually really cool. It had like some of that kind of early '90s synth, synth, yeah, like done to German, a t- synth. like done to a T though. But it wasn't. It was that type of synth that like wasn't overly aggressive. It just kind of worked for the film. I thought it was pretty cool, man. You can tell it was composed for it too, which is actually kind of interesting. But I don't know, man. I have. I mean, Julia's love is not like the greatest story in the world, obviously. But the effects kind of make up for the lack of story in the 40 minutes that it's telling <laughs> i guess it's, yeah. only, it's only a 40 but, minute film right so but it's hard to talk about effects with this movie when you get to the ending sequence because it's like nothing's ever gonna beat that that ending <laughs> sequence is fucking absolutely knocking fucking futz <laughs> with the with the the handgun <laughs> yeah when he said no when he's in hell oh yeah the yeah. second story when yeah. he's in hell and it's like jesus fucking christ it's like 10 minutes of just gnarliness no dude it's like it's, yeah it's way actually, overachieving it's, in terms of like yeah like dude that's a hard that's a lot of effects man a lot that's of for effects. like even like a bigger movie like that's like man like you gotta have some money and time and and early but you can tell like Imbach wasn't just the director but he was all that's he does his own effects and stuff too right he works on films as effects artists right too so yeah i read that he did a, he did um he was supposed to do like a bigger film i think like yeah, 
think I read that somewhere. I have to look. Let me look it up. But one thing I do find in both these films, even like in this, oh, one, he did Blood Rain with her Uwe Boll. For Uwe Boll, <laughs> working with some Germans, yeah. Um, his films, man. I mean, you guys, uh, this is probably the first one you've seen, but he's his films though, man, are very. They're always dark and like totally unapologetic, man. Like he's just balls to the wall. It doesn't give a fuck who you are, and that's really showcased in the second story with this just unruly death in that film man it's just brutal yeah. it's absolutely brutal and that's that's Ittenbach to a T right there he just doesn't give a fuck man he's willing to do shit that actually makes you feel bad like how many times you ever watch a shot on video film and felt bad for somebody getting killed he oh, managed to achieve that, that in guy, this man. man he managed to achieve that he hurt that. my heart <clears throat> he hurt my heart it's crazy that guy was, dude that guy was so nice he just got his fucking ass handed to him <laughs> yeah. Dude, I know. And he, he was just like, oh, man. This is rude, I like man. that, but, dude. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Julia's love is pretty much what it, you expect it to be. It's got a pretty fucking hilarious ending to it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> about... Fucking head explosion. The head explosion. It has to have a head explosion, right? It's ridiculous, but... By handgun. <laughs> I don't know, man. You guys have anything else to say on that one? <laughs> I don't have anything else to say about this in general um so then it cuts into the the wraparound story and it's basically like a, a minute segment where um olaf hittenbach is talking to his sister and she's just begging him not to tell her any more stories because the first one was so horrifying then we jump into the second story which is called the purity and it takes place in 1957 i believe and i don't think it jumps time periods i think it actually stays in that time period if i'm not mistaken um and it starts out, uh, it, well, it's basically about a priest that rapes and kills women. He's a satanic priest, essentially, is what he is. He just yeah. does bad shit uh, in his own time. And, you know, in reality, he actually is a working priest, you know. Uh, so the beginning of the, the short film, it shows the priest raping and, <laughs> oddly enough, shooting this girl right in the fucking head. <laughs> it's like the but most, her head doesn't explode. No, it doesn't. It's actually like a bullhole. <laughs> but it did the first time. And then it cuts to him. It's good effect, though. Like, the blood yeah. squirts out pretty well. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. Actually, there's a lot of good gunshots in this, but where the blood's always shooting out, like, really well. I thought the spray in a lot of this was really good. But then it cuts to the priest giving the eulogy of this girl that he raped and, and killed. And it, right there, it just kind of sets it up for, you know, Imbach is just, he doesn't give a fuck, right? <laughs> He's got the nastiest characters in this film of all time kind of thing. Um, this one... I feel is actually pretty decent for what it is, the story itself, because it doesn't exactly go where where you think it's going to. Because mm-hmm. it has this oddity moment in the middle of this film where the main character does something out of the blue. Not really out of the blue if you're following the story a little bit, but it happens. And then it kind of it, it goes off from there. And it's just it's one of those things where you just don't expect it to happen. Um, yeah. What's your guys thoughts on this one? Uh, I mean, what else more are you gonna say? It's yeah, pretty, it's it, it's pretty um, vile, you know what I mean? Like oof. a priest raping a girl and stuff. Like I like stuff like that, you know, like it's just <laughs> crazy shit. You know, I'm uh, like it, it's like obviously that. fake as fuck. I mean, like the, yeah. the movie's like cheesy as hell. Like, but um, man, I wasn't expecting that whole fucking long ass end of like it's violence. Like minutes and, of craziness. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool to like take a. You know, well, isn't it interesting? Adaptation of hell. Yeah, man, I I think it's so interesting. Though, like what the priest does to himself, and then and then where it goes from there. Like when you're first watching, you probably didn't expect that to happen, right? 
mm-hmm. like to go that kind of yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty interesting how the story the story seems to be a little bit more developed and you know but i love that interpretation i always thought like watching this was it's like it's like Ittenbach took the idea of what the end of the beyond was and just took <laughs> it one step further you know yeah. he's like okay inside of the beyond hell this is what it probably looks like as if they took another 20 steps and then he rolled with that for the end of this film that's how i've always interpreted this and isn't it in fucking scene how much gore and, and nastiness and filthiness is involved mm-hmm. in like the last 15 minutes of, this, of the short film it's insane it, it really is crazy if you guys um, you know, there's a famous scene where it, did it, get it is on half. shutter. If anybody wants to pick it up or oh, watch, I watched it's it. also on, um, I believe Intervision released it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's this famous scene where this dude literally gets ripped in half by his legs. Well, I've, I've had that in my intro for so long and people always ask me, where it's from. I'm like, check out the Bernie moon. <laughs> you know? yeah, people always ask you cause they have no idea who Olaf it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is, but I'm telling you, man, more, more people will, know who Ittenbach is and you think but is this his best film um this one's pretty good uh to be honest man i think uh Prometheus is pretty it's the film right after this is really insanely gory and fucking crazy it's a full-length film uh i did a top 10 tuesday one time of top 10 indie gore films and i put that one on there over this one actually because that one is like 80 90 minutes of the last 15 minutes of this one it's so insanely over the it's ridiculous it's so entertaining what's it you, called uh Prometheus, um, the fallen angel yes the fallen angel that's what it is from 97 and uh it's ridiculous man it, it's fun film fun film but i mean you know you're getting yourself it. into uh I think it was Shockerama. Yeah, Shockerama did. It was actually my my last uh, shelf video. I actually literally just showed that off, oddly enough. But anyways, super fun, super fun stuff. But I'm a big fan of the Burning Moon, to be honest. I think it's, you know, it's pretty interesting stuff. Black that is a dark harvest, that's for sure. Want to get into ratings? Yeah, sure. Jeremy, go first. I'm, I'm curious how you're rating on this one. Yeah, no, no, no. The Burning Moon, uh, it's definitely up there with video violence as one of the better shot on video films agree. that I've watched. And now that I've watched, I've watched quite a few now over the run of slasher videos and, and all that. So I come on a rating with a six and a half out of 10. Cool. On the shot on video scale. On the shot on video scale. <laughs> Fuck for using that scale. Shit. JP would, <laughs> Um. Yeah, I mean, I I really like this one. Uh, I don't rate on a scale really, um, but I do think it's above average, honestly, for a movie. Not a shot on video movie, just for a movie. Like it's entertaining. It uh, it the music uh, obviously it's low budget as hell, and the video quality is not the greatest. It's shot on video, but um, even taking that into account, like the gore's actually passable like even if you put it in a regular movie a lot of the gore is passable like that machete face thing that was a really good effect uh some of the uh bullet holes and stuff like that really good effects uh so i i I guess my high point was video violence i'd probably say this is right there with it so i'll give it a six out of ten 
<laughs> man, you must. Which I gave video violence a six as well. And actually, me and Jeremy gave it, I believe, eight. I think we were the same on that yeah, one, yeah. which is eight. Which is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always had this weird thing. Like, I don't really like to change up my rating style a whole lot. But if I am doing shot on video, I seem to have a different scale because it's shot on video. It's just, it's hard because it's like everything's so low quality. But with Imbok, it's like, can you imagine if Imbok was shooting not on video? With that, like, I think it would just have a totally different appeal to people. I think shot on video just kind of scares off people a little bit. But. How, how much do you think it would, like, let's say it was an actual, like, regular film? How much do you think it would actually go up in in terms of like ratings? I don't. I, I honestly, I don't really. I mean, I can't predict right how it would actually the end product. I would, would say look. maybe a point. Like, I would probably give it a seven if it was a regular movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, I have this weird, like I said, weird thing with shot on video and stuff. But this is honestly one of my fa- video violence has always been like my bonafide favorite, my bonafide favorite shot on video. I love that film. I love the Casio synth, but this one has really great music and tons of effects and stuff. I'm right there with it. I'm going eight out of ten on this one, man. I think everybody that is a fan of shot on video, mildly. And if you've never seen this before, you need to check this out. And from this on, check out more Inbox work. I mean, if you can get your hands on some. Good oh yeah, I would definitely be the interested problem, in seeing more of his films. Like, the, I definitely enjoyed this. The, I didn't really like the sub. Like, honestly, like I was, I did not feel like watching a shot on video subtitle film. But it, it, it was all right. It, it, it. it it's I feel really like maybe e- some stuff is lost in translation, but... <laughs> it's funny, man. So I'm watching this shot on video film, and the wife's sitting next to me, and she's fucking around on her phone and doing whatever, and she keeps looking up going... And she keeps giving me look, these looks like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Again? She's like, every time I come downstairs and watch a film with you, it's fucking shot on video bullshit. <laughs> Breaking <laughs> news on the Innenbach poll. Yes has seven votes. No has four votes. So you fuck you, moods. Hey, man, that that's pre- that's more yes than no. So, yeah, but like I said, it's also our group. Which did you make the fucking the most knowledgeable we're recording? Jesus yeah. Christ! It's it's the most knowledgeable horror group that I've been a part of. Okay, anyways, one hundred percent. So getting back to Inbok a little bit here. Inbok is kind of a tricky uh, director to find films from because the problem is with Inbok films is that. There's a lot of his films out there that are cut to shit. So if you're into getting Ittenbach and you want to... I mean, I, I recommend getting this Intervision um, release from... Um, or of the Burning Moon because it's uncut. Um, just be careful when you're out there searching for films because there's a lot of his films that are butchered to hell. And there's a lot of his films that don't have English subs. That well, have, hopefully uh, Intervision can get a few more of them, honestly. Exactly. Exactly my point. It's like and, the perfect label for... Yeah, Massacre, Massacre Video released Black Pass, um, you know, last year or whatever. So that's pretty cool. That's uncut and everything. So that's another inbox film that you can check out. Prometheus, um, that's another one from Shock Ram. I think that one's uncut too. And <laughs> it must be uncut because it's <laughs> like it's fucking ridiculously gory. Uh, but yeah, I mean, his films are a little bit harder to get. There's a lot of films. I think there's a few that don't even have like any type of release out of Germany that don't have English subs and stuff. So don't even fuck with those. But. But anyways, Inbok, very, very cool stuff shot on video. Has anybody ever been hurt on one of these trips? Don't worry about that. Where we're going, there won't be a person inside, I guarantee it. What the hell is that? It's a scarecrow.
15 years. Where's the scarecrow? Because there were no crows and there was no corn. It was there to scare us. Let's get into uh, the second film, which I know I punished the living shit out of these guys with this one. Um, so originally Fuck we had planned. Now. We had spend me over. Well, it was Moots aw- is, is punishing me from last week. Well, no, no, no. Making me watch fucking I Dark Harvest. The reason why I picked this last minute, and we already originally the show was just going to be the Bernie Moot in, in the in the future review, and I thought to myself, yeah, like, and you know possibly what? Mother. It was going to be mother in this, but yeah, uh, yeah, mother. So, so what I thought was, um, I know that all of us have Dark Harvest, and I'm like, why not? Just it's a shot on video film. It happens to be from the same year. We all have it, so why not put it with? It, it turns out we're doing shot on video volume one here. So, <laughs> Dark Harvest from 1992. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dark Harvest from 1992. Fuck you. This is <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, th- th- you know this movie actually spawned a sequel. I believe, what? I believe in the early 2000s. It's called The Maze. What? The Maze. It's really? Called, it's called The no Maze. No shit. It's called The Maze. That film is actually the the uh, legitimate sequel. To this. It's called The Maze. Colon. Dark Harvest Two. That is actually the sequel to this film, which is fucked up because it's not a shot on video film. It's like completely unrelated. It's actually set, I believe, it's set on Halloween in a. But there's a dark, there's a dark harvest three. Uh, That's a different series, dude. There's Uh a whole nother dark harvest series, which there's three of those. (laughs) Trust me, man. So it's very confusing. But that movie, The Maze: Colon, The Dark Harvest Two, it's actually the legitimate sequel to this, which is actually really fucking bad in itself too. But. Yeah, is it shot on studio? It's not, and it's not even the same director. No, it's not. It's is not, it? No, it's not the same director. Who the fuck would make a? What the hell? I know, my boy. That, that's what adds to the <clears throat> the mystery oh, of the shit. Oh, and there's wait, Dark Harvest Two: The Maze, and then his next film in 2006 is The Maze Two: Forever Yours. That okay? That was what <laughs> I was getting at too. So he, this is where it gets really confusing. Is that they made a sequel to this movie, and then he made a sequel to the sequel, which is Part Two. <laughs> makes no fucking sense it's like the so I don't know why he two part twos we could have did a trilogy show why <laughs> he didn't make it dark harvest three who knows i don't the know dark dark harvest two is the maze and then the maze two forever yours exactly that's that's yeah, fucking I stupid i know it's so indie filmmaking sometimes is very confusing i think <laughs> i've seen the maze back in the day went on netflix i yeah. think <laughs> yeah i think it might you know what i think i watched it on there too I don't own it, but I think I watched it on Netflix, too. That's very funny. All right. Synopsis for Dark Harvest, 1992. A broken-down van strands a group of college students in the middle of the desert. Forced to hike their way out, they unwittingly enter a sacred Indian burial ground, a place Ooh, they should have never left alone. It's ranked number 68 on IMDb as the worst movies ever. What? That's what? Dark Harvest? That's crazy. No, no, Dark Harvest 2. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> Number 68. You know how bad you have to be to be on the top 100 worst films on IMDb? Pretty bad. Is Beneath the Mississippi um, on there? 
Is Killjoy still in there? It used to be. Killjoy Dracula. is legitimately one of the fucking... That movie sucks. Uh, Dracula 3000 is on here. Okay, that list is bold. That's just garbage. Fuck. Attack of the Jurassic Shark. <laughs> Jurassic Shark. <laughs> Demic 2. <laughs> nice. Space, uh, Space Mutiny. Dracula 3000. It'd be fun to do a show like just the top 10 films listed Lenard on Lenard list. Part 6. What the fuck is that? <laughs> From 1987 with Bill Cosby. All Who right. Fucks Part 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. <laughs> well, maybe they're better. Um, Dark Harvest, man. <laughs> so, oh, man. I, you know, I am a fan of shot on video films. Me too. Now, I always say with shot on video films that they, the one thing that they need to not do is overstay their welcome. In my <laughs> like opinion, like be too long, you mean? Yes, eighty nine minutes. This movie yeah. right here is insanely too long. This is a great example of a film that should have been seventy five minutes, maybe seventy minutes long. They could have cut mm-hmm. easily twenty twenty five minutes off, even shorter. Because there's a lot, it just drags a lot. You can tell because it's budget constraints. They need to. They're trying to stretch the story out, build characters and things. And but nobody gives a fuck. We just want to see the goddamn scarecrow kill people. Not, movie, not not have like relationship problems. And, well, it's because these characters are kind of boring too. And like in in the the um, the dialogue in this film is actually really kind of it's just it's laughable <laughs> at best. But it's one of those films. I can't believe it. How stupid you are. <laughs> This this film right here actually starts out pretty decent. I mean, we got this couple that kind of breaks down the side of the road before we get into the main story. They get gnarled up by this uh, this scarecrow. And then it cuts into the main cast, which is like all these kind of awkwardly early 90 women that are wearing too big of clothes and making them look fat. Big hair and shit. You can't even tell if they're hot or not. And um, so then we follow these characters. And they're, you know, they're traveling to this destination. They break down. They got a hike. That's what they do. They go in the desert. They set up camp, and like most of the film takes place at this camp that they've set up in the middle of the desert. And there's a long Which, ass technically, scene. aren't they supposed to be in the desert? Like they were going on a nature hike or some shit? Well, yeah, yeah. Th- but they were going to like a, a camp type deal. I think there was actually oh, like yeah, a camp yeah, that's type right. thing. They, so, anyways, like a campground. Yeah, so or like get, cabins or something. Yeah, so they get stranded and they're apparently six to eight hours away. So they're like, hey, well, we're just going to hike over there because there's they're in a very isolated area where there's no cars passing. So they just make the conscious decision of saying, fuck it, we're not going to get rescued out here. Let's just hike the eight hours. Halfway or a couple hours into there, it, it turns night. They decide to set up camp where they tell these ridiculous camp story fires and the scene goes on for like 20 minutes. It, it's yep. it's crazy. And then after that, it goes, we get more character interactions and stuff and like no one's getting killed. <laughs> it's like there's so many potential victims here. Like there's literally nine or ten people in the main Bad cast people. here. It's, it's insane. Um, this is a great example of one, one of those shot on video films that just really overstayed its welcome. Um yeah, man, and pretty much all the action in this film that happens, you know, happens within what the last mm-hmm. 15, 15 minutes, minutes kind of thing. So it's it's one There's of those like o- a it's an awkward attempted film. like rape deliverance scenes. <laughs> there is, and, and I have to say, dude, those those uh, hillbilly twins that. So what happens is here, you know, these girls decide, and this is another really awkward situation in the film because while they're doing their campfire bullshit or whatever, these two girls decide like, fuck it, we're gonna leave. We're going to fucking leave. 
it's nighttime. They're like, oh, we're just gonna we're gonna hike over there, and and the camp counselor, <coughs> guy that's supposed to be leading him, is like, oh, don't worry about it, man. There's nobody out here. <laughs> so these girls take off at night. He gives them a <laughs> fucking flare gun. He's like, it's not even here, that. It's here's like... what you do. Here's what you do. You shoot off a flare every forty five minutes, and you'll be fine. So, anyways, they get so far, and they get apparently they get jacked by these two hillbilly twins, and it doesn't go so well. It's like it's no, can, no, no. It's not that. It's it's. He throws hay on them and she drops the gun. Oh yeah! Like what? The f- it's it's fucking hay. All he did was throw some hay on her and she freaked the fuck out and she dropped the gun like a dumbass. Is it not just me? Wait or a minute. I the- thought I thought that she he got the one by the neck with the knife and then she just was like fuck it and threw the gun down. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's one of the parts in there. Something happened when she when she got <sighs> hay thrown. Okay, on her. I think he she threw hay at him. And he dropped the gun. Okay. Maybe. Something like that. But, but anyways. Still, it's still fucking retarded. So so when these two guys Hayes are, really itchy, are dude. pointing these guns at this chick. <laughs> okay, is it just me or is the one guy, the one hillbilly without the gun, simply the gayest character you've ever met in a film who is interested in women? <laughs> this guy's like, he, he's like, he's just talking so flamboyant. And acting so flamboyant, I'm like, man, these guys are supposed to be hillbillies or like rednecks. It just made no sense to me, man, at all. But anyways, that scene doesn't go very well for them. And then, and then we get a whole pile of other crap that happens. And then in steps there's are titties. Um, yeah, minor. Yeah, there's some big titties. I, I guess there's minor, minor titties. No, there. that was some. No, there's yeah, some big titties, ass titties man. from that. Yeah, block. those she were nice ass, ass titties. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of. Yeah, I was thinking of another scene, but. Um, I don't know, man. Like, what? What are you guys' thoughts on this one? It's, it's ratings. I, I like it, honestly. Really? Like, I, I. The only problem is I watched this like two months ago, so like I did not feel like watching it again. That's like when you brought it up, I was like, because like it's it. not a movie. This is not a movie that you want to watch again, dude. Like, it's, it's not a not. Gene Roland film here, man. You guys don't have to keep dodging all my fucking picks here. Come on. <laughs> I watched it, man. I just didn't want to watch it again. I already oh, watched it. Oh, no, you it. obviously watched it if you're picking out that shit. I'm actually quite surprised yeah. it did, but um, I just thought, like, yeah. the, the whole story development. Fuck even you, the, man. The, the I've Ranger. watched everything that since I've been back. Dude, this the... is in the old days. I've watched the shit. <laughs> it's true. You have. The Ranger I've been watching film? it. <laughs> the Black Ranger in this film. I just love yeah. how... Oh, dude, I love that guy's character. He's, like, the best thing in the film. And he, it's too bad he isn't in the film a little bit more, but... I don't know, man. I liked it. The, I liked it a lot more the first time I watched it, which I kn- I knew was going to happen because you it's just like, said you didn't watch it again, huh? You just said you didn't watch it again. I said I didn't want to watch it again. Oh, but you did. Yeah, I watched it again. <laughs> I watched it today, he's and a, I didn't feel like watching. I was a, falling asleep. He's a soldier, man. Um, but yeah. Uh, so like. I I liked it the first time I seen it. Like I was like, oh, this is cool. I hadn't watched a shot on video in, in a while, and I was like, I just love the do-it-yourself style. And this one feels even more so than the Olaf Ittenbach film that we just watched, because this one actually just feels like a bunch of friends made a movie. And yep, like, it's like no matter gets- what, mm-hmm. no matter what, when I watch that, like for some reason I find it charming, even if it's boring and nothing's happening. I'm just like, oh, wonder what they're gonna say. Like, wonder what. Like, I just think of like the guy writing the dialogue or something, and like being like real like into it and like passionate about it. Like, and it's and it's at a time where like 
dude, like it's pretty impressive to get your film on VHS or something and get like distribution. I'm sure this was in video stores. And like, I think that that's pretty cool. Like, and you know, you look at other famous shot on video films like Woodchipper Massacre and Campbell Camp Out and like video violence and stuff. And like, this is probably like a lower tier one. But I got to say, man, the cover, pretty dope. The cover is pretty dope. Um, the Scarecrows, I wish they looked a little bit better. They're they're really, really basic looking. Like, I found it, that it was inconsistent with the Scarecrows in this film because I thought the very first Scarecrow, and don't don't get my words twisted here. Okay, don't be crucifying me for this and shit like that. But when you when you see the first uh, scarecrow kill that kill the couple in the beginning of the film, at first it's like a very very low budget version of the creeper. Kind of looks like that, just for <laughs> a se- for like a minute yeah. second. Kind of looks like that. Later on, when we get to see the scarecrow plus the scarecrows. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like strange because it's like an Indian tribe that's been kind of transformed into these killer scarecrows. Um, they look odd. They they have like these inflated faces and these big hands. They almost look like clown um, scarecrows. I, w- what was the deal with that? Why was their faces? In- I don't know. They just look like a scarecrow that I would make with like clothes and like <laughs> straw when I was a kid, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> That's so fucking big. So you saying that Victor Salva <laughs> steals? He's a stealer and a pedophile. <laughs> Jesus. Is that what you're saying? Jesus Christ, man! That's, that's... A bastard. People are gonna blow up Jeepers Creepers three even more now. Now they know that. <laughs> just you know what, man? Just be careful. Just be careful at the cinema there, man. But like seriously, like what the fuck, man? I just felt like you know the scarecrows were. I mean, even for that type of budget film and stuff, like there was no specific i mean i guess there was kind of a specific doesn't jeremy look like exactly the type of dude the type of kid that victor salva would molest um yes he's very vulnerable (laughs) (laughs) like he's gonna go and people are gonna be like look there goes one of his victims now (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ he's already raped me last week i don't need another one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man but no man i mean this movie like it's not good obviously like i like it i i, I never want to watch it again ever but like two times was way enough like i like i was getting so annoyed <clears throat> at it this time and it, and it's sad because i really gave it a favorable review when i first watched it mm-hmm. but like now it's just like oh i'm actually gonna lower my rating too <laughs> Yeah, you know what, man? I mean, oddly enough, I actually watched this one twice, too. I watched it when I first got it, when Jeremy sent it to me, and um, I rewatched it because I watched it, what, I don't know, a month ago or something. And I was like, you know, since I'm going to say, you know, we should w- do Dark Harvest, I guess I should probably rewatch it again, too. But I was like, man, dude, it was a fucking chore, man. I actually thought it was okay the first time, you know? Like, I, I did kind of the same thing, but it, it felt like a chore this time because it was the middle ground in this film was very very long i just wish it was yeah down. and when you watch it the first time like it's not as intolerable because it's yeah. like it's new you know yeah. you're seeing it for the first time so you're just curious to see you you, you don't know if something cool is going to happen so you're just watching yeah but like the second time you know that nothing's going to happen they're just going to talk and stuff and and um that is but like, painful almost but like i will say like even carly <laughs> who's never seen a shot on video film, like actually kind of thought it was okay. Really? Like, she, she gave it like a four or something, but she, she didn't think it was as bad as she thought it would be or something. But wow. like, um, so yeah, I mean, 
but not a good rewatcher. Tell you that right now, man. One of the funniest things Shocker. in the film, man, is when they're <laughs> when they're around the campfire and they come, they get to the the conversation about uh, what are your wishes or you know what do you want to do or whatever. And dude's wish was to have three bobacious babes in bikinis. And I'm like, that's like super nineties. I'm like, bobacious. That is your biggest wish to have three. He doesn't even specify what he wants them to do to him or anything. He's just yeah, like, three like not even babes, like just man. just as long as they're in bikinis. Like that's that's my wish. Which actually leads to a very odd sequence in the film where people start yeah. kind of tripping out and like visualizing their their, their wishes dreams. and stuff. Which they don't. I wish you know that was one aspect of the film. I wish they had have actually done a little bit more with. You know, kind of went mm-hmm. into that and, and kind of developed that into the story. It would have at least created some type of suspense, you know. But, uh, but what you know. a weird setting for this film. Like, this does not feel like where Scarecrows would be. <laughs> yeah, because they go into the storyline about how the Scarecrows were, you know, they were, you know, the lands used to be filled full of wheat and stuff. And, and all of a sudden they just got desecrated and no one could figure out why. And then they kind of go into it. fucking and, uh, desert. I know, right? And it's like, oh, and then they figure out what they're like. <laughs> what do you oh, mean? There's no water. The scare, exactly, right? And then, like, oh no, the scarecrows. They they kind of come to the conclusion that the scarecrows are there just for them. <laughs> and that was like the whole thing, right? And then you kind of get the full gist of the story when they find this treaty that was signed by these Indians. And oh, dude, it's it's not really it's not the greatest SOV film ever. So ratings, ratings. Yes, right, I'll go first. Uh, I initially gave this film a five out of ten. Uh, I'm gonna go down a full point. I'm gonna go at a four out of ten. Uh, not good on rewatch at all. Yeah, I you know I actually have it rated at four out of ten too, and I think I was in at four and a half after my first one. I, I liked it a little bit more, but after the second one, I was like, man, I just I've seen so many better shot video films, and I think my problem was here. My rewatch came right directly after watching Ittenbach and the Purity Story. Which was like gory and, and fun and awesome, and then and then this dryness happened quite literally in the desert. You know what I'm saying? So four and a half or four out of ten. Four out of ten. Three point five. Oh, you just have to be the guy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I have written down. God, how 3. bad 5. was Dracula in Vegas, man? You're two out of ten. Oh, I can't wait to fucking watch this and review it. It's one of the worst films since Wonderland and Bloody Homecoming. Oh, am I getting kicked off of all of them again? Fuck. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does avoid our Hall of Pain, at least. So, that's good. All right, so that is going to conclude episode 113 here. Shot on Video Volume 1. Yes, that was actually pretty fun. I had a really good time with this episode. Considering all things. Yeah, we covered a lot. We covered a lot of ground. I'm not going to lie, dude. I felt like I was going to die, like, probably about 45 minutes ago. Like, I, f- I got real lightheaded and, like, sick feeling. So, I soldiered through that shit. I'm just nice. letting you guys know now. Nice. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you to all the Patreon uh, supporters, Dubby Doubles, Matt Jonoski. Uh, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, I sincerely apologize. I am not good with pronouncing names, as we've established on the... I don't hey, Rob. Show. Yes, hey, Rob from Buffalo. Come on, you got to support the Patreon. Rob from Buffalo. <laughs> Listen, Rob from Buffalo does enough. He um he actually yeah gets he actually me all works the ratings. Yeah. Like 
like he he and that's a painstaking thing trust me i know so like he goes through and and with the ratings so yeah because he actually has to listen to sections of the show (laughs) yeah we've had enough fights about me and the ratings yeah so it's better that somebody else does it for us like i really appreciate that i don't tell him enough how much i appreciate it but he actually just caught up today he was back like four or five episodes but i was back like 10 episodes on posting them um, I was on Skype the other night with Moods, and it took me like an hour and a half to post just the the ratings from episode 106, which was the top 10 of 1986, which makes sense that it would take a while. But uh, that was the big one to get out of the way. Uh, actually, currently, all of our episodes up to it are on the website, the 22shotsofmoodsandhorror.com. So uh, nice. pretty cool that, that we actually you know have everything caught up for once. I just got to get the ratings up there. I need to make the top 10 page for um 86 like the actual like picture one um which i like referencing a lot it's cool to look at those so uh i'll try to get that i still do it myself every once in a while i still do it every once in a while i I go back to check out like the list and stuff i i love lists and i like seeing it in like a you know like a not a physical form but like yeah we now have eight eight years out of history that that have top 10 lists which is pretty cool that's a lot of homework like to combine like the amount of films that we watch for those is insane you know what i mean i want to also uh, give a big shout out to rob too for doing that because i know (laughs) i know that's a lot of work man and you know i was talking to rob the other day and uh you know he's he's awesome i know he's still listening i know he's still listening to shows and stuff and and, you know it's fantastic but again rob thank you for doing this for us i give I give Rob mad props because he actually re-listens to episodes. I believe his favorite episodes are 28 and 29, I believe, or 29 and 30. I couldn't tell you for the life of me what those are. The, I know uh, Spider Baby is one Halloween. of them. Halloween. I know, Spid- two, I, think. I know Spider Baby he really likes, too. Yeah. But. Um, I've always wanted to have like a trivia night thing where <sighs> I just lose. give you guys episodes and you have to no guess way. what because usually your last your last trivia thing didn't go so well so i don't think speaking of that what you know it's funny because i was thinking that about that the other day (laughs) i was thinking about that the other day and i i i shit you not dude it wasn't five minutes later i was actually thinking about remember the the um the picture thing you used to do on the the 22 shots there yeah, Jason and just brought that up. Some, yeah, it was that's who it was, and it was like it felt like five minutes later he asked about. it. I was like, "Holy fuck, dude, that was weird." I totally, totally forgot weird. about doing it. It just yeah. it's been about a year since I've posted one, but um, I'm you just I'm do actually it out of the going, blue. I'm I'm going to post them again because that's I still have the scores because somebody's gonna win like a box set or something. I forget what I said I was gonna give away, but yeah, um, we'll give something away, obviously. But yeah. Uh, that's that's still going on. I, I'll remember to do that. Like what I was doing was, I think I was posting films that I kind of had seen recently, screenshots, and um, for whatever reason, I just forgot about it and and <laughs> stopped doing it. But yeah, yeah we'll get back to that. Um, but yeah, the trivia thing is kind of dead in the water right now. There are, I believe, four episodes recorded, and I told Brandon if we do not finish it by a year which is like march will be the year mark uh i will release those four episodes because they are actually very hilarious like they are it's actually good content like it really is um but i would actually like to finish it one day like when we slow down a little bit maybe uh and 
you know, like the problem with it was, dude. Right now, it's right now is like the worst time ever to like start it back up. Oh, for, I'm not doing it now. No, That's it's insane. Sure. Like, we're, like <laughs> basically, like the rest in of the year the, we're in fucked. The new year or something. The new year, um, I could maybe start working on it again. Have maybe have it done by March of next year for March Madness. But um, there's like what me and Brandon decided was we need to be more strict. Like whenever we reach out to people, we'll be like, hey, like you have to find a time within like the next week or else we're we'll have to replace you not like a dick thing or anything just like hey like that's the thing that's holding us up most is like everybody can't make their times you know what i mean so um but yeah i mean it's so worth finishing because the the four episodes we recorded are funny like they're really good they're they're entertaining uh they're they're the, the some of the answers and some of the like questions like it's just it, it was like a really fun time like i was actually really proud of what we was doing but uh yeah i still have those four episodes and hopefully one day we'll actually at least release those nice maybe turn it into, maybe turn it into an eight-man tournament instead with those four episodes or something you know and we could always cut it down to a 16 instead of a 32 man as well you know if 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 it comes down to it so i'm sure we'll do something with it eventually but yeah i got it like i'm literally about to pass out right now like i'm nauseous as fuck so uh, <clears throat> let's go ahead and uh, thanks um <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap it up with jeremy <laughs> take us all out right of here. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 113 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you can do so at youtube.com slash moods616. And as always, if you want to follow JP, that smelly Mexican, and make sure he does not get that new full moon box, that you can do so at youtube.com slash doubleshotj. And as always, you can follow me on my channel, youtube.com slash nesruler22. And please support the Patreon, patreon.com slash 22shotspodcast. And please help me get that sand sucked out of my vagina. And as always, you can leave us a voicemail at 724-426-6665. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash 22shotspodcast. And join us on the Facebook page, facebook.com, search bar 22shots of moods and horror podcast. That should do it for episode 113 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast. We'll be back next week with the first big show of the Halloween season. Maybe. We'll, we don't know for sure. We're, we're hopefully going to do a big show, um, but we don't know. Like, we don't want to, we don't want to fully announce there. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. not hundred percent sure. So it, the show is happening, but it's either next week or like mid October. So it just depends on certain things. Or should I say what it is? I mean, sure. Fuck it. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. So, so it's either that or nothing. It sounded nothing. like you're having like a slight stroke right there. When you yeah, said that. I think I, I, I think I actually am having a stroke. So. so, for the people that are still listening right now, you just got the news. And yeah. for so the Texas hundreds Chainsaw and Master hundreds show. of people that have asked for, when are you guys doing the TCM franchise? No, that was just Zach with a hundred different accounts. Oh, it's, it's been it's been asked before because everyone's like, "Why yeah. you guys always cover these weird franchises like Children of the Corn and fucking you know all this other shit, oh, the yeah. Howling and shit?" It's like, "Okay, guys, we have to spread them out. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. And it's my favorite film. And and honestly, top three favorite franchises. 
Seven, yeah. out, seven out of ten. <clears throat> it goes. Uh, what? What'd you just say? What the original? Seven out of ten. Yeah. Would you get out of here? I'll, like literally, I'll, I'll fucking. I'll fucking. <laughs> this guy He's so I'll tired. Doesn't even know what to do. He knows. He's like, I have no fucking idea, man. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously. Like, I love like Friday Thirteenth number one, Elm Street number two, and Chainsaw number three in my franchises. Used to be Phantasm. But part five disappointed. No longer a perfect franchise. Well. Yep. Peace out. Peace. Later.